Hi there. You're about to enjoy the Chronicles of Tom and Jamie. Hi everyone, I'm Kevin Mann. Hi guys, my name's Annabelle Knight. Hello, this is Becky Baldwin. Hello, I'm Chesney. Hey, what's up everyone? This is Brayden from Say We Can Fly. Hi folks, uh, you're listening to the Chronicles of Podcasts with uh, Tom and Jamie. I'm William Morgan. I'm an actor, director, producer, writer, uh, storyteller, uh, ranter and raver. And I hope you enjoy the episode. And of course, tune in for all episodes available wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, on YouTube too. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 118th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these right here are the Chronicles of William Morgan. It is I, the bearded brummy Jamie, and joining me as always, as always, this her fella right here. Scott's from Tom. I wonder how many times we said Chronicles now when the space we've been here. Anyway, and welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast. Hit it! Just, yeah, I, uh, I was talking to Baz earlier on, and I says, I'm just afraid that I'm going to go off on a tangent or go off on a rant. Uh, so if I do, just pull me back or let me go, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to be here for a while. We'll let you go. Yeah. We love it. <laughs> we love a bit of tangents, a bit of digression, a bit of God knows what. Yeah, we love it here. We're all for it, so... Did he, uh, did he pre-warn you, did he? <laughs> Just a little bit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might have done. <laughs> Don't know what you're trying to say. Right, let's get this little introduction done and we can bombard you. Ladies and gentlemen, today we bring you a wonderful guest, a man who you've seen on the show before as part of our Dublin Crust vlog. This man is an actor, comedian, writer, director and producer. A man who is a committed member of the queuing community, an expert in local gossip, a man abducted by aliens, a car salesman, Billy Doofus and so much more. Boys and girls, theys and thems, join us as we bring you the chronicles of William Morgan. Thank you very much. You can always cheer for yourself. We love it when they that, cheer. That for sounds great. Yeah. No, I, I'm just cheering for how beautifully the introduction was done. That's oh, it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Actually, now, now that you say, I do hate when people clap for themselves. You know, it's like don't give everyone an applause. Like, no, not you. Like, yeah. Or, or when people tell you uh, a big round of applause. No, no. We as the audience will decide if we want to give the round of applause. Don't tell people to clap. That's like a comedian telling people to laugh. It's like. If, if we like it, we will clap. <laughs> because there's variations of, of applause. You can get the... <laughs> yeah, you don't want that one, so... yeah. I've never thought of it that way, ever. That's a really good point. Yes. Could you all get clapping now? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. what? Could, I mean... Um, you know, this, this person needs no introduction, but yet you will give one because <laughs> they won't know who it is. Yeah. That's a really good point. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> off to a flower already. Uh, how's your Wednesday been, Will? Well, you see, now, if you hadn't said it was Wednesday, I would have struggled to know what day it is. <laughs> uh, I'm like, what's her face? Uh, Maggie Smith in Downton Abbey. What's the weekend? Uh, all, the, all the days are just, you know, uh, they all blend. I, uh, I generally know it's a Wednesday based on the school run pickup uh, time. Yeah, which is because, you know, if you mix up a Saturday and a Wednesday, you know, the, the kids standing on, on, you know, standing outside the school going, where is that? <laughs> That's not good. Why have I been here all day? It's been shut. Yeah. <laughs> You've stood outside all day. That's hey. what I <laughs> Right, you little shit. You're going to fucking school on Saturday, right? Whether you like it or not. <laughs> 
but Mr. Morgan, take us back to the start of everything for you. What did young Master Morgan wish to be when he was growing up? Has it always been acting and performance for you or something completely different? Not completely different. As long as I remember, probably, yes. I, I know um, for a while, I think probably as every kid, I wanted to be a cop. Um, and, uh, and and probably a cowboy as well. Uh, that's him cool. Uh, but the, the here they've recently raised the raised the age limit for for uh, people to join the the police force, and it used to be thirty five. So I'd I'd long passed that, and then they raised it to fifty. Uh, but I'm now still too old because you have to be. Uh, I, I'm fifty now, but you have to be you know fifty by your next birthday or still under fifty. So all I really want is the whoop, whoop, you know the blue lights or the flash. That's that was that was the only ambition, uh, just to pull over assholes in traffic mainly. All the other stuff, you know, not not so much. But um, I also wanted to be a school teacher for a long time. I, I wanted to be a teacher, and it was actually my teachers who talked me out of becoming a teacher. Uh, yeah, it was like yeah, no, it's it's not great. You know, the holidays are good and all that, but you no, know, if there's anything else you want to do, do that. Uh, and I. I I probably should have taken the advice of an old aunt of mine who said, become a chiropodist. People will always have feet. You'll always be in business. Uh, you know, yeah. And and in, in hindsight, she was probably right. But um, but for me, I remember um, uh, I did a school play when I was in um, first year in secondary school. And the play was Philadelphia Here I Come, a Brian Friel play. And in it, there's Gar Public and Private. So most of the cast were in fifth or sixth year. So they were all much taller. And then the main character had three pals, Tom, Joe and Ned. Uh, and I was one of them. And we were all first years. And so it, it looked funny because, you know, his pals were all, you know, whatever, five foot nothing. And everyone else was, you know, five foot eight or nine. Uh, so when we walked out on stage, there was 400 people in the school hall and they just broke broke their shite laughing. Uh, <laughs> And I, I remember distinctly that kind of going, oh, I like this. Uh, and then everything we said after that, you know, they were just laughing at because it, it just looks so funny. And and the the, the, the play is, is funny in times as well. But I remember that feeling. And it wasn't the kind of, uh, oh, look at me, look at me. Uh, I'm making everyone laugh. It was, uh, it was the ability to move a whole body of people, an audience, to actually get a reaction out of them, whether it was to laugh or cry or whatever. But that, that for me, was the, the magic, and that's the drug, is was to be able to affect an emotion on a group of people, generally a positive emotion. Uh, you know, if they start hurling shit at the stage, that's that's a different reaction. But a different <laughs> reaction. But, but, but that was the uh, that was the thing, and that kind of tied into doing more theatre and stand-up as well, is that it's like, you know, when you have them, or you mm. know anything when you're given a speech or or you know you know you either have them or you don't. But when you do have them, it's magic. It's golden, uh, and that's that's the drug for me. Is yeah, I love. So that. then, um, yeah. So, so so like when I first started, I I was working in a clothes shop, and the assistant manager there said, "Oh, the pal of mine is a writer. Uh, you should meet him." Um, and so. He was working in a corporate job. I met him in his office and he had a few plays that he'd written. And we were like, yeah, let's do these. And they're totally clueless. You know, I was maybe 19, 20. Um, and so we booked a theatre. 
didn't know what we were doing. We had a little studio theatre that we booked, Andrews Lane Theatre in Dublin, which is now sadly gone. Uh, and we put on a play and it went great. And we thought, yeah, we'll conquer the world. This is easy. And then you, know, and then you learn as you go, not so easy. Uh, and it's like you there going, oh, please, God, two more people. Just two more people come in. And you, know, you have six people in the audience. Go, yeah, it was a good house. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but that first show that we did was uh, a show that my pal Fergal had written. Um, and it was Oscar and Jim. So it was Oscar Wilde and Jim Morrison, who were both buried in Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris. And it was them meeting up, uh, you know, an, an imaginary meeting of the two of them meeting up in Père Lachaise Cemetery. Uh, and it was great because we had a good mix of, of audience and we had a fantastic set and uh, it went great. And then we just started doing more and more stuff and shit, uh, good, bad and indifferent. <laughs> uh, and uh, we learned a lot from doing it because we had no, um, we we were making up the rules. Sometimes we even booked a theatre before we'd even decided on what show we were doing. But it was like, <laughs> we definitely do something in April. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and like, you know, uh, or like the Fringe Festival of Beyond. It's like, we have to put a show in. It's like, oh, yeah, so we do a pitch for a show and then we'd, you know, back engineer it or reverse engineer it and, and then write the show. We got two weeks to write this thing. Come on. Uh, so, but yeah. Isn't that a better it's, way of doing uh, it in a way? Like, you know, like working under pressure almost because it's like you've given yourself a deadline rather than, yeah. oh, we got plenty of time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think... Even, deadlines are always the, the great motivator. It's like, you know, you kind of, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about it and planning. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'll get to that. And then, you know, you've got 24 hours to do it. And then, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. There was, there was one occasion where we had done this method of booking a space, doing a show, but he hadn't quite finished writing, writing it. So... Uh, the improv, we kind of knew where it was going, but essentially when it got to the first day, uh, the first performance of it, I had to improvise the ending. We kind of knew where it was going, but the I had end. to improvise the ending. Yeah. <laughs> the ending of all things, you'd think you know how it's going to end at yeah. least, but no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we well, see, that was his thing. He was he was great at the beginning in the middle. His endings were always uh, a struggle, so uh, he just wanted <laughs> to keep writing. But uh, yeah, that, that kind of stuff makes you stronger. But yeah, uh, the ability just to, to pivot or also like if if you know the audience are, are shit or small or or not responding then you can kind of change it like there was there was one show tell me to shut up at any point I'm, I realize that he go he going uh, there was one show that we did and in in hindsight we should have given it more thought to the technicalities of it but it, it was called stuck and it was uh written again by Paul Fergal and myself and another guy, uh, Paul Kennedy, were uh, the only two characters in it. We were in the premise was that we were stuck together in a basement toilet. Uh, and the only way that we could we were like super glued together or something. But the so the whole physical comedy of it was that I was wearing dungarees. I had to take off the dungarees and I would loop them over his briefcase that had a mobile phone in it, a very early mobile phone, and then pull the case in. So we'd rehearsed it. That'll be fine. And then first first night doing it, I throw the dungarees, I let go, and they go flying. So now I've no plausible way of pulling the briefcase in that contains the phone, which allows it to continue with the rest of the script. So I'm sitting there in my underpants with Paul going, looking at each other in that moment of panic going, now what do we do? So, uh, 
So it, it evolved into more extreme physical comedy where we then had to try and extricate our bodies to somehow reach the briefcase so we could continue. But, but if you can maintain the the sense that you know what you're doing, the audience generally don't know that uh, you've gone completely wrong. Uh, just uh, just keep it going. Don't let them see the terror in your eyes. <laughs> That's, ama- that's amazing that though you've worked together and without saying anything really went yeah we'll do oh, this yeah, exactly. we've got that's it yeah. yeah yeah we're we're here together come on come on <laughs> yeah I, I also love the fact that like you speak to a lot of actors and you're like what inspired you to get into this like oh it was this film it was this scene it was this actor and you were just like nah i went out and everyone cheered and i, I need more of that shit give it give yeah. me more of yeah. that <laughs> yeah it was. Yeah, I know like Michael Caine said he got into acting because you know, he thought it'd be a great way of kissing girls. So that was that was because, you know, in drama school, generally the ratio was always, you know, eight to two um, women to, to men. Um, that's changed now. But uh, yeah, that was brutally honest. But yeah, I like now I think loads of people um, like I'm always terrified when you look on, say, like an agent's books or whatever, and you see the amount of people and then the amount of agents that there are. There's just endless amounts. But when I give workshops with uh, Baz and, and Dermot Goggins at the moment, and one of the questions that we ask is, why do you want to be an actor? And for everybody, the answer is different. Uh, and But if the answer is, I want to be a movie star, then you're in the wrong game. You know, that's... Yeah. That can't be it. It, it. it has to be because there's nothing else you can do. Uh, you know, it, it has to be a drug that has gripped you inside. And it's it's the only thing you can do. You, you can do other shit too. Like I, I, I can, you know, change a light bulb and stuff. But, you know, it has to be, you have to live and breathe it. You, you know, you have to work at it every day. Yeah. 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 I love the idea of the, the script's been unfinished and you go, oh, and it starts to die and go, Wait, am I am I do I die or am I alive? Okay, oh, I'm good dying. Okay, yeah. By <laughs> a round of applause, should I die? Now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've died too. I oh, I've died too. Yeah. Oh, they say though, like theatre acting and then screen acting is like a completely different kettle of fish, even though it is acting per se. Do you feel those years in the theatre sort of prepared you for what you're doing now? Yeah, I very much so. I think it's like the 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 process is different, and it's. Uh, uh, I I know someone who did a very expensive course one time, and the the takeaway from the course was, um, and this was like about screen acting. The takeaway that they got from this very expensive course was now the difference between stage acting and screen acting is that on stage there's an audience in front of you, and in screen acting there's not. Oh, hang on, let me get my pen. Write that shit down. That's <laughs> that's gold. That is. Uh, so it's the the main uh, like theater is 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 wonderful because you're thrown into uh, you know a rehearsal room with a group of people um, and you rehearse and you become great pals, you become a family. You do the run of the show and every night is 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 different depending on the audience and what you're doing. And it's like you know, I I've done shows where you. It run for a year or, or two over a calendar year, like not nonstop, but, you know, three weeks here, eight weeks and whatever. Uh, and people say, how do you do the same thing night after night? But it's, it's never the same thing. It's always different depending on, you know, the mood or the energy of the actors and the audience. Uh, so the main, um, like the, the I suppose the technical difference 
um, is that you need to let the people in the back of the theatre hear you. Uh, mm. and, and so you're performing, uh, mm. you know, to, to the back of the house, whereas obviously on, on camera, it all needs to be much smaller and you're not performing for the crew. You're performing for that person at the other side of the of, of the, the screen. Um, and so everything's just much smaller. So a lot of the time when you see um, actors who haven't done a lot of screen work and they they uh, either audition for stuff on film or they are performing, it's much bigger and they're all very excited because it's, you know, animated gestures, but, you know, on screen, less is more. So the it, it's just a matter of pulling it all down. And that just takes training and practice and and practice. Um, you know, the more you do it, the more you understand. And you sometimes when you, when actors who are doing a scene or a self-tape and then they see themselves playing back, they realize, geez, I didn't realize my eyebrows kept doing this all the time or, <laughs> or I did this all the time or, you know, or it was like, you know, rolling their eyes all the time. So it's just a matter of, of you know, uh, muscle memory and retraining yourself to kind of pull it down. Mm. How how do you approach scripts in regards? Because obviously stage, it's all got to be all done in one, whereas obviously yeah. screen, it's it's this scene here and then we'll do this scene later. How do you uh, approach a script in that, in that sense? Yeah, so uh, generally I'm good with learning lines uh, and chunks of t- text like... Um, much to the annoyance of some actors who who really struggle with learning lines, uh, but for for theatre, obviously, you need to you 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 do have that joy of the three weeks of rehearsals, and the more you do it, and it becomes you know um, muscle memory, and it's bedded in. But um, in theatre, for example, generally the, the lines won't bed in for me until you kind of you're on your feet walking it in, so it becomes oh yeah, so I know you know this bit happens at the table, and this bit happens at the window, and that all helps. Uh, you remember it. Uh, so generally, by the time opening night, you kind of know almost everybody else's lines as well. So that if you know another cast member, well, at least I do anyway. So at least you know. So if someone drops a line, uh, you can pick it up or you know where to to take off, and it's not kind of like line prompt. You, know, <laughs> you can't you can't do that uh, unless it's a school play. Um, but in say on on TV or, or film. Yeah, often like you 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 have to prepare and put the work in, but often like you can arrive on the day having learned the scene inside and out, and then they go, actually, no, we're going to cut that scene, and you know, here here's the new dialogue. And say in soap that would happen a lot. Uh, so you might have a, a day or two, and then you've learned all your lines, you think you know it, and then it's actually no, we're going to cut that scene, and here's a new scene, and you have you know ten fifteen minutes to do it, like and so so, but so, sometimes like. Uh, if you have the option, it's, you only have to learn a chunk at a time because we're only going to do this scene. And, you know, it has happened that um, some people have, you know, have the script in front of them when, uh, you know, w- when it's a fast moving thing, like a um, say on a soap where the schedule is very fast and, the, you know, the, the lines might be on the table in front of them or whatever. And so that, you know, in between takes, they can be prompted themselves and whatever. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but like I, I, I shot a, a film last year and th- there was a script, but it kept changing all the time. And so, you know, so once you have a sense of the scene and what's happening uh, and, uh, and of course, you'll get a couple of takes then if, if you if you mess up. But, um, but it, it is the actor's job to kind of that's something you've got to be good at is, is learning lines and uh, preparing. You know, you can't just arrive on set and all have it. You know, on your phone, and, and 
like I tell the story of um I years ago I got asked to audition for this um TV show and it was it's I think second series of a TV show and I got the the sides for the audition which is you know the piece that I would be auditioning for and physically I was completely wrong for it it wasn't me at all and I saw the sides and thought oh this would be great and then you see the scene it kind of goes you know it's it's one line and the line you know the main character goes where is it and the line is it's in the van and I go in the van okay got it remembered it uh, so i i arrived to the audition and there's 10 or 12 people who now look like the part as written in you know the character description in the script and they're all sitting there with a piece of paper you know the, the script and the one line highlighted in paper and they're going it's one line you know, if you can't remember the one line what what hope have you got you know so anyway so anyway, I didn't get the part because uh, for whatever reason, probably because I was too cocky and going, yeah, I know the script. But when I saw the when I when I saw the actual episode, the guy, you know, the main character goes, Where is it? And the guy goes, uh, it's he just points and they cut the line all together. What? <laughs> and I said, Yeah, and I said, you know, a couple of things happened there. One was he got so excited, he told everyone after getting the part in the show. And then when he arrived on set and hair and makeup and all the cameras are on him and everyone's looking at him, he got, oh, it, it's in the um, the man in the can, the man with the man. And, and there's, I'll oh, just cut it uh, and move on. <laughs> so you just, you have to be be prepared. Phenomenal. Do they all go dressed up as, do you, when you go for auditions, do you have to dress as the character as well? Uh, some sometimes like it's I I miss the in person auditions because a lot of them now are are self tapes which are have their uh, pluses as well. I, it's part of the the process now. Self tapes are, are are standard, but I do miss going into thing into the room and you know meeting people uh, because uh, just for that connection you get a, a better sense of you know uh, how it's going. But in terms of dressing for the character, it, it's Generally, unless they specifically say a particular look that they want, it's a it's a gamble for you to assume this is how the character is going to be and to you know mm. do the whole character thing. Unless they say you know we want someone in a plaid shirt and a and a flat cap with a you know smoking a cigar, then you can do it. But um, generally, they they want they want to see you uh, and that you can you know deliver the lines and make a change. But also, really important part uh, that. Um, is worth remembering is even for theatre or for film, mostly what the either casting director is or the director is looking for is that they can work with this person. You know, so you know, um, Baz and I are thinking of writing a guidebook: how to be an actor and not an asshole. Uh, <laughs> I'd buy that. Uh, Sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> because, because, like, I, I've sat on both sides where I've cast things as well as as a director or working with uh, other producers and things and. Some people come in, you just kind of think, okay, yeah, they're grand, but could I spend three weeks on set with them? It's like, no. Um, you know, because they're either full of drama or they're smug or they're arrogant or or the thing. So it needs you know, half half the job is selling yourself and the other half is is, you know, being able to turn up and do and do the job. Um, you know, so it's it's um what was the original question? dressing up for uh for auditions. Uh yeah, I, I have done it on occasion, but as it says it's a, it's it's best only if if they ask for a particular look. Because uh, okay. also I've auditioned for things like that where I don't at all look like what they think they're looking for, 
and I've I've got them. Um, so you know, it's be ready to surprise people, take chances as well. You know, so even like with the sorry, go ahead. That's all right. I was just gonna say, I wonder if it was like if you could tell who the rookies are, sort of thing. Like you could tell who the people who are just starting out are because they're the ones that are fully dressed up, and you just rocked up as yourself, and you've gone ah. First time, is it? <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of that, but it's also like it's it really is like it's a crazy, crazy business. It's a, it's a, like it's not a job for grown ups. It, like it's it's really stupid because you have uh, you really have very little control over it unless you're doing uh, creating stuff yourself and, and doing all that. And every actor should try and do that. But when you go into an audition, you know, you, you could do a brilliant audition, think you're bang on perfect for the part and still not get it. Uh, and that's, you know, that's fine. That's part of the process because you will never know why you didn't get it. Unless, of course, you go in and, you know, have done something horrendous and insulted them. But, you know, they're going to see 100 people for the part or they're going to see 10 people for the part. And you really don't know what they're looking for. So your job as an actor uh is to just do the audition. It's your opportunity to perform, let them see you. And if they don't choose you for that part on this occasion, they will remember you. And let let it be that they remember you for, for a good reason and not a bad reason. Uh, because, you know, there's no... Uh, one of the things that annoys me is um, the, the word rejection is used a lot in, in this business. Oh, how do actors cope with the rejection and how do you, you know... but you're not rejected. If you, if you get uh, an audition, you have been selected. You know, mm-hmm. so you know other people have not been chosen. So you've been selected for an audition. You haven't been rejected. And so your job as the actor is to do the audition. What they want to see is we want to see a selection of people who can do. So that's your job done. So do the audition, and and park it. You know, if you get the part, that's another job. That's your next job. And if you don't get the part, it wasn't that you were rejected. They just chose someone else. So don't dwell on it. It's it's when people come into the audition, oh, God, I really hope I get this. And I really hope I get and was, Oh, my God. I hope I get, and they, and they, their energy is focused on the wrong thing. They, yeah. They're focused on, oh, my God, I have to get this. Oh, oh God, wouldn't it be great if I get this? And then they come in with that energy. And it's like, oh, Jesus, you know, relax. Just, you know, just do the, do the lines. Uh, you know, do what you're there for. And so, but the same token that if you do land one of those parts that's, you know, uh, it's in the van part, you you deserve to be there as much as anyone else is there, whether it's, it's you know, Morgan Freeman or or William Morgan or, or Tom Dick or Harry, you deserve to be, because you were selected. You you were given this job, the same as the, the sound up or the, the uh, DOP or whatever, that, you know, you are where you're meant to be. So you have to, manage those nerves and park those nerves and not um think oh my god oh my god, oh my god. you know just be a pro and you know fake it uh you know hide the nerves and just manage it you know because the, the director's nervous too the producer's nervous that they're, they're going to lose all the money the director's nervous that it's you know it's not going to work or people won't you know uh go with their vision or whatever so everybody there is is nervous but you're all working to get everybody wants you to do well so that's a big part of it. Right. So it's a great way to look at it because, like you said, a lot of people can let it get to them and drive them it, kind of insane. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it can. Like, it really can because it's, it is. Um, I, and I think it's just the older I get, the, the more I think it was like, 
It's just that's the way it is because you, you'll have extraordinary highs, you'll have devastating lows. And like it's okay to get disappointed or, or pissed off if you don't get a part that you really want. But it's like it's not it's not your fault. It's not nothing you've done wrong. You're just they just chose someone else for a different reason. It might be they wanted someone taller, smaller, you know, with red hair, black hair, you know, but you'll never know the reason. So just keep working at it, keep doing doing the auditions. If you're getting auditions, you're doing something right. If you're getting a call back, you're 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 doing great. You can tell you're a veteran of the game, can't you? You can tell why you do these workshops with bats and whatnot. It's it, like, I, I really love do, doing those now because um, you, you, it's not that you see people um, making mistakes, but you kind of think, no, like, just, like, it's a long road. And that's what you see a lot of, you know, um, and actually on some of the workshops, there are people who are kind of... Um, more mature than like we've had people from 14 up to, you know, in their fifties. And so, but generally the ones that are in their early twenties, you know, just they're, they're so eager and, and ambitious and all that, which is great. But like for a lot of actors, you, you know, it's going to be a long road yeah, to be getting the kind of work that you want to be doing, if at all, you know, so it's, the you know, you only fail when you stop. So, but you need to be prepared for, for the, for the journey. You need to enjoy the journey. And it, and managing your own kind of mental health in that as well, uh, and part of that is understanding that you know it's not easy. Uh, yeah. yeah. So and so you need to mind yourself and not invest everything in it. Have other things to do. Have but surround yourself with people who are supportive and not kind of draining or or toxic. Look, looking at your IMDb, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I know how unreliable IMDb can be at times. Your on-screen debut was The Commitments, like a cult classic movie. Is that right? That was the first time you were on screen. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's well, yeah. If in in film, I I done a little bits of of uh, TV. Uh, small things before that but yeah in, in terms of film yeah and that was I was that was well I've already said my age so there's no um that was I, I think it was made in 1989 and released in 1990 um mm. or something yeah, around that ballpark so I was in it, still in school I was like 15 or 16 um trying, I'm rubbish on maths so I was 16-ish um and they had open auditions in the mansion house in, in Dublin for, you know, this big Alan Parker movie. Uh, John and Ros Hubbard were casting. Um, and, you know, everybody wanted to go into the into the auditions and there was queuing up. Uh, and so I went in, in town with uh, everybody else queued up and you I, you got to meet the casting directors. And if they liked you, they you were then ushered into the next room where Alan Parker was there with uh, a few other people with him. Uh, so I, I was lucky enough to get into that stage. Um, and then uh, I, I remember Ross Hubbard writing on her notebook at the time, good young Dublin face. And I go, oh, OK, I'll take that. That's, that's a good thing. Uh, I also had much more hair then as well, which... Uh, and uh, so I got in and then thought nothing of it. And then it, like a, a week or two later, would, probably because uh, pre-internet, I, I think I got a letter or a phone call uh, 
and to come in for wardrobe and bum, bum, bum. So I, I was in that opening sequence of, of the commitments on the dart and spent two days back and forth on, on the dart. And, you know, one end we shot slightly more than ends up in the final thing. And, the, uh, but it's still, still very nice uh, to have been a, a part of that and to um, see Alan Parker in action and see the whole process because it was a huge production. Um, and so, yeah, and, and probably at the time, you know, there was very few people who weren't in it at some point, but uh, there's, uh, I, I pride myself in the fact that I'm still going. Uh, a lot of the people who were in it uh, have uh, um moved on shall we say from from the industry so it's uh it was a nice full circle almost when um dublin cross came out and it was compared to uh, uh the commitments so i think uh um yeah it was it was a nice journey and when, when the commitments first screened my brother and his girlfriend were in australia at the time and they saw me come up on the screen and sort of goes that's my shirt he's wearing, <laughs> so wearing my brother's shirt. you have to bring your own wardrobe um and uh, yeah, so yeah, no whites, no stripes, no logos, but you had to bring your own clothes. So maybe the budget wasn't that big after all. <laughs> did, did seeing that production though and being on that set just sort of influence you to go like, this is what I want to do? Oh, hands down, absolutely. Like, you know, it, uh, it it's, yeah, it, it really is magic when you see the whole process and, and the amount of people that work on it and that whole... I'm always fascinated by uh, uh, the, the crew and, and the work that they do and the amount of people that are there all around. Uh, like, I'm always in awe of of the sound ops and the boom ops, you know, hold, holding up the booms <laughs> and all that. It's... it's uh, and. It, the magic they can do with with rigging and the cameras and all that. I'm, I love all that part of it and watching it all all come together. Um, it is. It's there's there's nothing like it. But and the same like when I go to the theatre, uh, say like a, a London show, or whatever. I spend most of the time looking at the technicals of the lights and the rigging and the staging and all that, and, and the actors of course too. But uh, but I was like, oh wow, look, I love how they do that. And yeah, so yeah. This, this being in film kind of almost kill film a little bit for you because you just watch and you go, well, I know how they did that. I know how they did that. And I know how they did that. Uh, well, not, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of movies that with obvious special effects and it's all uh, green screen. And, and a lot of movies uh, are that at the moment, you know, um, when you see the, the end product, you think, oh yeah, fantastic. It's great. And like the small Japanese uh, VFX uh, firm. There was videos going around on uh, LinkedIn and other places uh, when they got the Oscar nod. Uh, they had worked on uh, Godzilla, a small Japanese team mm. of visual effect artists, um, and so the, you know, the stuff they do is fantastic. But uh, if the story is good, you know you shouldn't be distracted by by the special effects you know so sometimes when you look back on an old movie you know it's early green screen or early special effects it kind of got, it doesn't doesn't hold up but it's now become so sophisticated that you don't know uh, what's what's real and not real anymore uh, and that's a good thing and a bad thing but generally uh, it, it I'm I, when I'm watching a movie I like to be sucked into the story and it's the it's the performances I'm watching and I, I'm not you know uh yeah, I do enjoy a good, you know, born ultimatum or whatever. And I know there's things, but good stunts and all that. But as regards, 
sci-fi and all that. I'm not a huge fan of, of uh, you know, my, my kids were watching some movie there that could have been made in a weekend. Uh, not, I got to say, might be Spy Kids. I'm not sure, but it, it's all green screen. It's all in the studio. And Sly Stallone turns up in it somewhere. So it might, it mightn't be Spy Kids. It's Spy Kids. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> And it's like, like, and and what what annoys me at that type of stuff is the money that was spent on that. It's like yeah. you know, could have made ten brillion features for for the, <laughs> you know, a hundred brilliant features for the money that the catering budget on that would. Get, I could make a feature. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, um, but where do you get the ideas for your characters? Because obviously, you've got Mister Reed who reads children's stories to children, which is... Very obvious name, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure if it was Red, Red or Reed. Then when I watched the video, I was like, ah, thank you for clarifying Reed. that. Yeah. Perfect. And his yeah. first name is Hugh. Hugh Reed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, an instruction um, to the kids. Hugh Reed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, one, one of my favourite videos that you've done is the Town Gossip on Mastermind. It's one of the, oh, it's one of the fun... That video is superb. It's yeah. so good. What, what what's what's funny about that is that um you see, other people have sent it to me um knowing that I, I was the town gossip but not really or knowing that I was the presenter but not realizing I was the other guy that I was doing both yeah. parts <laughs> um so it was great so when the the guy um uh who came up with news check he, he does all these uh comedy sketches a brilliant writer David Atkinson he um came to me and, and wanted me to do the town gossip. And I uh, I said, well, I'll, I'll read in the other part, you know, just so you know what it sounds like. And then he goes, you just do the both. Just do, do them. <laughs> so I had really, I really loved doing it. It was, it was uh, great fun. Um, the, the only flaw with, with that was that we named the character Matty McGrath. Now this will mean nothing to you, but there's an Irish politician from the country called Matty McGrath. And so, uh, Trolls uh, on Tinternet, uh, as is their want, assumed that I was doing a piss take of that politician, Matty McGrath. Uh, and goes, oh, it doesn't even sound like him, doesn't it? It was like, it was just a random name. It wasn't meant to be him. Chill, it's fine. <laughs> you know, but uh, but it, it, it went viral and it had like, you know, over two million hits on it. And uh, and those people going, oh, this is you, this is you. But that, like, I love people watching. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, and so mo- a lot of those characters are kind of an amalgam of of people that you you know or you've met. Uh, like it's it's my absolute. I happily you know sit in a shopping center uh, like a sad bastard on a bench <laughs> for an hour just watching people. That sounds a bit creepy now, doesn't it? But, um, uh, hello, I'm watching you. I'm just going to monitor your movements. Uh, make some but, you know, notes. Just, yeah, yeah. Just take some notes. Don't mind. Don't mind if I follow you, do you? <laughs> Yeah. Uh but yeah, um but like for uh um for Dublin Crust with uh Baz's masterpiece, I think have it here. We even have the album. Look at that, came out on vinyl. Um that character Baz phoned me and I hadn't met Baz beforehand, but he described the type of character it was. And I says, I know the chap. And it was based on a guy uh that I, I knew from uh before uh and i said this guy is you know needs a tash and is a bit of a thing and so when i sent him the self-tape bars goes that's it and uh it was great so it was uh, a huge joy to be uh part of dublin crust because talking about magic like that was uh 
just a phenomenal achievement from uh, Baz and Emma because it was made literally for for nothing. Um, thirty two locations, seven uh, seven day shoot, uh, huge cast, and now six week cinema release hits streaming services very soon. Uh, gold vinyl soundtrack, uh, just incredible. So um, yeah, huge thrill to be part of that. Uh, but in terms of, of the characters, so that uh, Baz and I are now working on another uh, movie that he's written. Uh, and this sounds very showbiz now. He wrote it while on a cruise in the Caribbean. Oh. That's how oh. fancy he is. Oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So I, I play uh, a Jamaican as Bob Sayer. No, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's called it Against the Odds. So I play a small town uh, bookie who's up to his ass in debt. He takes on a big debt that he can't uh, pay back. And so the whole village rally behind him to um, to help him out. So uh, so we're working on that at the moment, hoping to shoot it in May. But again, we're back to the same thing of trying to raise the dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> uh, the shmoney, shmoney. Um, and following from Dublin Crust, you would have assumed that some doors would have opened, um, but they're still... Uh, they're, they're not swinging open uh, uh, to give uh, Baz money yet, which is insane. But um, we'll we'll keep on trucking anyway and uh, uh, watch this space. Yeah, Dublin Crust is absolutely. Well, I had the pleasure, obviously, of coming over thanks to Baz uh, back in Christmas of twenty two, just before Christmas in twenty two. Yeah. And that movie, I think it's changed a lot since I saw it then, but. Um, or maybe yeah, it's probably it's it's been tightened and tweaked, and like there was a lot of post production on it. Um, but like it just shows you what's what's possible when you when you kind of make your own rules and break the the rules are there and don't take no. Uh, like the the normal process d- didn't apply, and Baz literally reached out and said, you know, I've written this movie, it's all finished, but a punk band, you want to see it. And in fairness to him, Mark Anderson from the Omniplex said, absolutely, let's have a look. Uh, and that was because there was a big guerrilla marketing campaign behind it. So he was aware of it. Other people were aware of it. And uh, like, there's no point, like, you know, opening a nice restaurant and telling nobody, you know, uh, a lot of people make short <laughs> movies or, or films uh, and just assume that people will watch it or find it. It's like, you need to, you know, over here, well, we got yeah. this, you're competing <laughs> with a whole lot. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, so that's that. That's what the Dublin Crust and uh, did. It it generated its own publicity, so that by the time it it hit the cinemas, people knew knew about it and sold out screenings, uh, Q and A sessions. Fantastic. Yes, uh, incredible, yeah. absolutely amazing. What you what you all did with with that, you know, in the short space of time that you had to do it in with the lowest budget imaginable. Um, I don't want to obviously spoil too much of it, but I am intrigued to know one of my favorite scenes has you in, uh, which is where you're selling the car. I think it was in the the park, the parking car park that was the fake oh, yeah. car lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean the fake car lot? <laughs> we blew all the budget on getting a very expensive car showroom. It was yeah, that was it. There. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, William. I'm so yeah that that bit. Sorry. It was a church car park, uh, <laughs> and, and we just used random cars that were there uh, and uh, crew cars and stuff. And some people came back, kind of going, uh, "You know, there was a for sale sign on the car, but just give us ten minutes, we'll be out here." So, <laughs> um, but yeah, because we had arranged for, well, I say we Baz had arranged for uh, an actual car show, uh, dealership to open up, and on the day 
your man never turned up. We were all sitting outside. Your man never turned up. So we just had to uh, pivot, as they say now. And um, we we shot it in uh, Baz's brother's office was was became my office, and the church car park with these random cars became my uh, my lot. And it was great. Uh, but was... sorry, yeah, your question specifically about that scene. Yes, is 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 it still there? Oh, is that scene still there? Is it still there? Yeah. Oh God, yes, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, that is great. That bit. It uh, was. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was. It was great. It was great fun. Yeah, uh, and actually, uh, Andrew, who I'm selling the car to, yeah. he was one of the 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 camera. Um, Cameraman on on the on the film, so it was just here. Hold the camera, and uh, he he stood in. So yeah, and it was great fun to do. Uh, I, I like I had such fun uh, doing it. It was such a joy, uh, and it's it's because um, it, the, the the film has you know obviously a phenomenal soundtrack in it and all that. But there there's uh, a few characters in it that offer comic relief, and uh, so it was great. To, you know. Uh, I'd always lean towards the, the the comedy, and so it was it was absolute gift uh, of a party. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm so I'm so gutted I couldn't be there because we've we've well, spoke... catch it on streaming now. This you is see. very true. It's like we spoke to Baz, we've now spoke to yourself, we spoke to Joe, and all you hear are these amazing stories. Not just praising the film, but how much fun you guys had making it as well. And like speaking yeah. to Baz about all the work he went into it, I I don't think he slept for at least a week. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> and uh, it what it, it was just around the clock. But beyond it, like the 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 seven day shoot, obviously there was there was uh, huge pre production and planning to get all those ducks in a row. But then a huge task afterwards in the post production as well. So himself and uh, Emma did a, a lot of the editing and and post production on it. Uh, Baz's wife and. Uh, like the fact that they're still together as a couple is is uh, <laughs> is incredible. Uh, so yeah, it was it was absolutely um, like what they did uh, had never been done before, and I I kind of hope that it is it inspired sounds a bit grandiose, but let other people see that actually. Actually, yeah, maybe we can do something like this, and that it will, because there's huge barriers to getting your your movie made and getting it in. And if you go down the traditional route of just looking for funding, oh, we didn't get funding, we can't make it. You know, there's other ways of 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 doing it. Uh, but by the same token, uh, you kind of have to have a certain uh, sense of of uh, being realistic, because some people make these shorts and they expect them to look like Hollywood blockbusters with you know with huge budgets, you know. If you're planning to make a short, work with what you have. Don't, you know, have uh, extravagant sets and locations. If you have a, a house or a bedroom, write a film based in there. If you have a caravan, write a film set in a caravan with, you know, three people and not, you know, uh, do what you can do. It's better to get it made than to kind of, oh, I have this great script on the on the shelf. Um, you know, make make it. And then, then make it better and make the next one. But, uh, yeah. And I think a testament to that is the way you decided to entertain yourself during lockdown with Abducted. Like, yeah. So you wrote and starred and made a film on your phone in lockdown. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. It was um, uh, on, it was literally like the 1st of January, like in the wee small hours, like we'd done all the, hey, happy new year. And, um, 
and uh, so everyone else had gone gone to bed. Uh, and so I sat at the kitchen table. Uh, I had this notion uh, of what it would be, but I, I hadn't written a script. Um, so what's there is almost a 10 minute improvised piece, basically, um, about a guy who wakes up uh, on, on his trampoline at the back garden uh, naked and believes that he must have been abducted. Uh, because you know, all that was there beside him was a, an empty bottle of vodka, so you know, it must have been it must have been a gift from 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 the aliens. Uh, and so, so I just shouted at the at the kitchen table, him recounting it, kind of you know, uh, piece to camera, and then a few other random shots of him looking, you know, sad and lonely in his house, waiting for them to, to come back and visit. Uh, and so. Uh, and I just edited it all together and uh, thought, oh, yeah, that's that's fun. But I entered it into a few festivals and it kind of snowballed and it got great reaction uh, in festivals all over all over the world, good, bad and indifferent. And uh, and it got to play in a few um, festivals here in Dublin as well. Uh, so it was great then for my kids to be able to see uh, on the big screen this little film that I'd shot on my phone and my you know, the kitchen table, you know, downstairs where they were asleep upstairs. Um, and from that, then I got other work, uh, you know, people who had seen that because prior to that, I hadn't done anything uh, on screen in a while. And uh, so this was kind of kickstarted uh, um, a new wave of, of uh, creativity. And actually then from, uh, and it's funny the way kind of, you know, one thing leads to another and all these uh, connections. That's why I always say there's no creative cul-de-sacs. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, so when I did that, I got an audition then for uh, a short film, uh, which again, on paper, I was completely wrong for. They wanted some, you know, big, heavy, older guy. Uh, but I did an audition, got the part, and it was this other short film uh, mad, quirky, brilliant short film, Sunny Mammy and Patch the Dog. Uh, mm. And alongside that was, uh, in that with me was Jerry Cannon. And uh, two of us worked great together and was great fun. So then when Baz was doing Dublin Crust, Jerry recommended me to Baz. Um, and so then I got that. And then, so I've worked on it since then, about four or five different projects with uh, Jerry. Uh, and, you know, from that, somebody goes, oh, I know such and such. And it just, you know, that network uh, breaks off and you kind of uh, one thing leads to another. So, um, yeah, it's mad how it all works. But and now uh, <laughs> uh, I just recently got uh, Screen Ireland funding. They have this actor as creator scheme. And so I pitched in the abducted thing uh, with the notion of developing it. So that that character is now having kind of his inaugural meeting of abductees anonymous, where uh, <laughs> like an AA meeting, but so abducted. So they, you know, six or seven other people who believe they've also been abducted meet up for this uh, uh, this support group meeting. So uh, so I'm now working on that with the help of uh, this scheme from Bow Street and Screen Ireland. So yeah, I, just, I just love the fact that you could look back. At, you sat there after New Year. Having this daft idea of making something, you could, I fucking snowballed, didn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. it was. It was great because it was, but it just showed, like it was like there was no technical prowess and like literally on the stand that I have my phone on now. I think the same phone, um, and I had a nice little mic on it and just set up a few other shots around the house. 
and put it all together. And, you know, so so when you're submitting it to festivals, you know, they ask for all the blurb and all the stuff. And then they ask for the kind of technical stuff. You know, what was the budget and what was the, you know, who were the crew? So do I, do I pretend there was a crew or to pretend there was budget? It was like, you know, and then it's like, uh, what's that thing? Uh, um, Little Britain used to do about uh, Dennis Waterman, uh, wrote the theme, theme, sang the theme. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, but um, needs must. So yeah. That's absolutely amazing. And as well, it, it's quite inspiring in a way as well to people, young creators who have these ideas and think, nah, nothing's going to happen. Do yeah, it. Like, there, there is... Um, there's, I remember someone saying before, who was this... Uh, Patton Oswald is a great comic actor. Uh, he gave a speech one time, I, I think, to uh, acting students and said that, you know, the, the phone that you have in your pocket, there's more technology in that than Orson Welles had making Citizen Kane. You know what I mean? So there's there's no barrier to to making it. They don't expect something you make on your phone is going to, you know, look like a, a Hollywood blockbuster. You know, there's all sorts of software and all that. You can make it look a bit better. But the it's all comes down to the story. You know, uh, people like stories. And if you have a good story and it, you shoot it well, you know, put it on a, tr- a tripod, get good sound, light it well. There's no reason. And you can edit. You can edit on your phone if you have to put, you know, edit on your laptop or your desktop. There's no reason why you can't make, you know, a good, solid five, ten minutes short. Uh, you could, like feature films have been made on on uh, on smartphones um, and, and done very well. But for young actors who who saying oh they're all keen to get show reel I've no show reel I've no show reel meet up with other actors who are also looking for show reel and and you know write something and make something uh, because you know no nobody's going to say oh I want you for for this you know you have to you have to get yourself out there and the only way to be seen is is to be doing it um, you know it's, it's the same with, uh, with with anything really but like. I know a lot of writers who have written one script and, you know, they send it out and they get no response and then go, you know, they still call themselves a writer. But what else are you writing? Well, you know, a writer writes, uh, mm-hmm. as they and Barton think. Uh, so like my my pal Fergal, I've been working with him on and off for uh, 130 years. And uh, <laughs> thereabouts, I'm not not good with numbers, but uh, he, he's always, always writing. You know what I mean? He's always, you know, and if somebody likes one thing, they say, well, that's great. What else have you got? And he, you know, you have to have uh, the next thing. And he, he's living in Copenhagen now. He's married to a, um, a, a Danish girl. Um, and so when, as an Irishman moving to Denmark, there was a bit of a culture shock. So when he was going to these meetings, uh, and that was the difference there, he was getting meetings, whereas here he could send out letters and emails and get no response. But in, in Denmark, very sensible, very practical. So he would you know, get a meeting with a producer or something. And so one of these first meetings as a kind of new Irishman in, in Denmark, uh, he arrived slightly late and befuzzled because he took, you know, the wrong train or he cycled the wrong way. And he arrives in. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm just because I, I thought it was I, I took the wrong street and then I took the turn. Then you one goes, you have 13 minutes left. You know, they, they had a 15 minute meeting and he had wasted two minutes with his uh, excuses for being late. So it was just straight down to business. And he was like, oh, OK. So and then pitched through what he had. And she goes, no, don't like that. Don't like that. I do like this. I don't like that. 
uh, show me more of this. And it was just, and, you know, there was great follow-up and thing. And so he's had much more success in Denmark with reaction to his writing than uh, he would here. So if you're getting no's, you just need to, you know, go further afield or, or, or push it somewhere else or produce your own stuff. Like we, we produce loads of stuff ourselves. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a Scandinavian thing. I think more than like European Scandinavians are very like, yeah, I like that, but that's shit. Yeah. Whereas here in the UK and Ireland, we just go, oh, well, actually, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, and, you know. and you see that that just leaves you hanging. Then you see because you kind of say, oh, they, they said they liked it. It's like you know, and they just they don't want to say oh, that's shit. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, no, that's really good, really good. Yeah, it's just mm, we're not sure at the moment. Is and then yeah. you wait and wait, and it's like, come yeah. on, you know, just you know. Are you going to do it or not? Like, uh, I I shot a pilot for a sitcom years ago, and it it still hasn't got a no, but it, it like so it's still on the shelf somewhere, and nobody has said yes or no. But you know, so they commissioned the pilot. The pilot was shot, and then it's like, like you're going to screen it? Are you going to? It's like you know, they just still haven't committed, and it's just like. Oh. Everybody involved has probably, you know, just moved on to something else and forgotten about it. Because, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, crazy. I, I did want to briefly just take it back a little bit because we mentioned earlier, I mentioned in my intro, the name Billy Doofus. Ah, yes. So early in your career, you I did. remember him. <laughs> <laughs> so is this right? You did stand up and in your first year, you appeared on the BBC Channel 4 and in Edinburgh Fringe. Is that right? In the first yeah. year? Nuts. Not only in the first year, within, but by the time I, uh, it, it sounds mad when you say it, uh, by the time I was doing the live finals of the BBC New Comedy Awards in Edinburgh, live on the BBC uh, during the Edinburgh Festival, uh, it was my sixth gig as a stand-up. Like, holy fuck. Because uh, the, and, and, and the one, two, Three previous ones were heats of the competition. Uh, so uh, I had, um, I, I was doing it like a stage play uh, that again, my pal Fergal had written called The Blue Light. And this was a show about a stand-up comedian who is now in a psychiatric unit. And so the play was uh, a mix of why he ended up in the psychiatric unit and where he got his material. So half the show was, you see him doing the material and the other half is kind of explaining what inspired that material and how he ended up where he was. So at the time, uh, I think it was the first year. So this was way back in 2000. So I think it was the first time that the BBC New Comedy Awards was open to people in the Republic of Ireland uh, as opposed to just contestants in the UK. I might be getting that wrong, but there was some reason that this was the first year that I was able to enter. Um because they were doing Dublin heats, I think. That was the first time they hadn't come to Dublin before, maybe. Uh, somebody will correct me on that. But there was a reason that... For the first, oh, so I might as well enter. So I entered doing a chunk of the stand-up from that play um, and got through to the next seat. And then two gigs later, uh, I, I remember... So that was like my first proper stand-up gig, like just doing the stand-up in front of a stand-up audience was the, the first heat of the BBC New Comedy Awards in Dublin. Uh, so I was there with comedians who, you know, had been doing it for years or, or you know, had been, you know, doing live mics and all that kind of thing. So I come in, did, did my piece, totally nervous and all the rest. 
but because so this is where Billy Doofus came in. So I did it as uh, a character because you know mm. didn't want to do do it as me, uh, and so I kind of did it as the character from from the uh, from the show. Uh, and so Billy Doofus, you know, had you know mad hair, funny glasses, and a kind of ill-fitting suit. Um, and so then got through that heat, went up to the another heat in in Derry, and won there, which got me to. I don't know, about three heats and then uh, was told I got through to the live finals. Uh, so when I did the live finals, then they, they didn't want me to be the character. They wanted me to, you know, take off the wig and glasses. And like, oh, geez. So uh, so I, 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 I ended up wearing, I still wanted to be a bit showbiz. So uh, I borrowed this um, red and black snakeskin suit from a pal of mine. Uh, subsequently, I bought my own snakeskin suit, but... Uh, uh, I had bought this uh, kind of, it was a crushed velvet velour red snake suit. Oh. Sounds lovely, I know. Uh, but uh, so, so uh, in hindsight, it was probably not, not the best wardrobe choice. You know, I should have just gone with jeans and a black T-shirt. Uh, so I, I remember at the time the judges were, uh, I, I'm going to leave a few out, but uh, uh uh, Peter Kay and Jim Bowen were two of the uh, judges wow. at the time. And uh, I remember Peter Kay saying, yeah, he looked like Shawadi Wadi. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but he says, but a cross between Dave Allen and Shawadi Wadi. So I took that as a huge compliment. Not so much the Shawadi Wadi, but the, the, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. the Dave Allen. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, that, like it was... Uh, a brilliant experience and terrifying. And then from that, then I, I got to do other uh, stand-up gigs uh, around the place, which, you know, when they go well, they're fantastic. And when they don't, it's absolutely horrible. You know, it's it's terrifying. As someone said, it's like standing on stage naked and someone turning the gas on and you just rotate very, very slowly. It's just yeah. um, like... I did a gig in the Empire in Belfast, which is this beautiful old building, like a uh, thing, a converted uh, church. And so the MC said beforehand, now when you go on, there will be a lot of talking anyway. You know, so just it's a big place and the people will be talking, some won't be listening and there will be a lot of noise. So don't worry about that. And if they like you, they will they'll let you know. And if they don't like you, they will also let you know. So the uh, the guy that was on before me, uh, was an Australian uh, comedian and they decided before he came on they did not like him they didn't like his name you know they, this the man who needs no introduction give a big round of applause so yeah. they, well, <laughs> they decided they didn't like him and when he comes on he goes listen just give me one minute and I promise I'll make you laugh and the whole audience in sync without missing a beat go 59 58 <laughs> 57 56 and it's like oh man and so Ooh. I was to come on after this uh, so the the MC came on and he kind of calmed them down again, and then I came on and it went well. But I I did other gigs where it was just like I did a like a corporate gig for a bunch of dentists, um, and it was just like I could have rode in bareback on a donkey whistling Dixie, and they would have noticed. It was just awful, and it got to the point where I was like, do I start getting ratty with them now? It's like, but uh, you know, you just. You know, you're supposed to do say 15 minutes. I probably did four minutes, and or and it felt like an hour, uh, and just left. But you know, you do other gigs and it's great. But I didn't. The 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 stand up was is is really tough, and you need to you know 
uh, be doing it all the time. So I loved it. I'd love to go back to it. I did it for maybe a year or so and did a few festivals and things. But uh, then all the stuff, um, you know, I, I had no ambition to be a stand up comic. Uh, but it is something I would love to uh, go back to, maybe uh, at some point. <laughs> is, is there anything you can't do? I mean, I think you do everything, don't you, Will? And sing. I can't dance. <laughs> Yet. My, my wife and kids will contest to that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, like, I, 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 yeah, I, I would actually love to be able to sing. Um, but, it, I, like, I shy away from singing Happy Birthday. I'll go, well, I'll, I'll take pictures. I, 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 <laughs> I, uh, I, and unless it's a large group of people singing, like, I'll just, be, I'll, I'll mind. But in the car, I'll, I'll sing um, to myself. But, uh yeah, no. Uh, what there's other stuff that I, um, in terms of what I'd love to do, I'd love to do kind of real kind of meaty detective drama type thing, you know, kind of uh, that kind of thing. Uh, some of those kind of uh, detective characters are great characters, but it's the writing. Like I was watching a thing recently, and it's you just get sucked into the story. And like the, the thing I'm watching now is it's actually quite stressful watching it. But oh man, as an actor, it'd be phenomenal to do um, the beef. It's on uh, Netflix, so it's all set in this uh, restaurant. Yeah, yeah. No, am I calling it right? The Bear. Sorry, The Bear. The Beef oh, was nice another thing. one which was brilliant. But The Bear, uh, I, actually, the, the Beef was brilliant uh, writing as well. A, a Korean uh, couple who just stressed in the tense. But The Bear at the moment, it's every character in it is is fantastic, and that's the sort of uh, thing I'd love to do. Um, just this, you know, just top quality writing. Um, yeah. But, what's, so. what's like your favorite thing? Like, what's your particular favorite outlet? Like, is it writing? Is it acting? Is it the com- comedy side? Like, what is the one that you're like, I just love doing it every time I get to do it? Uh, it, it acting, I suppose. Like, I, I've, I've directed and, and produced, and most, most of the time that I'm directing and producing, it's, it's, it's a budgetary thing because, you know, we can't afford to pay someone else to do it or, or whatever. And, you know, I've done camera and sound and everything else. Uh, I, I love um, uh, acting. I, I mostly veer towards comedy, but but the same token, like a really good dramatic piece that you can get your teeth into um, is great. I did a piece a short film recently, which was completely bonkers, but the director I'd seen his other stuff and I knew it was going to look fantastic. Um, and 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 so that's why I said yes to it. There was very little dialogue in it, maybe a couple of lines. Uh, but the, the uh, it allowed me to get, uh, get quite dramatic in it and it's, it's quite bonkers. And I really enjoyed working on that as well. So it's, 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 um, it really depends. It, it's just it comes down to you know working with good people doing good stuff, and so it and it's the story. So if it's a brilliant comedy, then I'm all on for it. But if it's a you know a good drama with an emotional punch for me, like if it doesn't, it has to hit you somewhere. You know, yeah. <laughs> it has to provoke a reaction. Otherwise, like I I was offered something there recently, uh, and I read the script, and it's like I, like I never thought. Two things. One thing, uh, there was a stage where I thought I'll never handle a script again. Like I thought I'm done. Like I, I'll, I, I'll, I'll never work again. And then I never thought I would say, no, I'm not going to uh, do that. This was the part in the feature film and it was kind of a fairly sizable part in it. But I read the script and it was just, I, I couldn't, 
like and yeah. you know, it wasn't big money so you know if they were offering 25 million i might go okay i'll do it but, <laughs> but it was just it's like oh like you know so there would be no joy in doing it there'd be no pride afterwards it was just really bad script and it's like that at best it's a 10 minute short like make that don't drag this out to a feature um like i i, I couldn't uh so it you know, good people and and good script, and that's why like people generally try and work together again. And sometimes people give out about oh, they're always work with him or they always work it. But there's a reason because you find your you find your tribe and and you know you, uh, inspire each other to do better stuff. Uh, and like um, casting is 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 chemistry as well. So you know you 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 want to work. You know, and particularly if you're working for low budget or whatever, you you want people that are going to, you know, join the fight and, and yeah. uh, you know, carry the project, you know, and not just on the days that they're shooting, afterwards and promoting the project as well and and the whole way, you know, digging out. Uh, it's a whole collaborative thing. So if you're just focused on, oh, I'm just here to do this, then, you know, we'll use you today, but we won't use you again. Like, I, I know some brilliant actors who always get cast, but they never get cast again. You know, by the same people, because they just pissed them off. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So it's back to that book. I must finish writing. I had to be an actor, not an asshole. You, know, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> it's, what you were saying there as well, like you didn't want to take the role because you know it didn't wasn't yeah. there for you. I think what people as well need to realise is it's not just you being on set and filming that role because afterwards you got to promote that. You gotta yeah, go out right. there and be like, "This is the best fucking thing." But if you don't feel that, and yeah. you're like, "What a yeah. bag of shit," yeah. you're not yeah. gonna do it justice. Yeah, I mean, because I, um, I in in latter years, uh, Hugh Grant, uh, I, I love because he doesn't take himself too seriously, and he does things. And sometimes he will admit, "So like, yeah, yeah, I did it for the money," uh, and that's fair. That's fair enough. <laughs> like I don't mind. Uh, and just being honest, but when you, when you get people talking and when you see some stuff and you know there's huge money into it, and it's just like, particularly with with some short films and they're very grandiose and they get huge money going into it. It's like, yeah, but what's it about? It's like, you know, it's like it looks lovely and all the rest, but there's no story in it, and it's like you you, you come out none the wiser, and that happens with some big films as well, some huge films. And you think, oh, that's that's amazing, but it's like, you know, <laughs> had no impact on me, you know. Uh, so it's like I'll never get those two hours back you know <laughs> that's how I felt after I watched Twilight for the first time um, yeah. <laughs> it's like it really annoys me then when you see something and then it gets you know you know there's huge money into it and it gets rave reviews or like reviews are another thing you can take with a pinch of salt because you know everybody has a different opinion on it but um, yeah it's just when you're sitting through a thing you're just like <laughs> Like I, I was at a screening recently at the um in the lighthouse, there was a bunch of shorts. Uh this um film I did uh, skins, um which which was mad, but it was up against a bunch of other shorts that were all made during uh, Fast Fest, which was 72 hours to make a short film. And so the crew I were with, they were really prepared, knew their stuff, uh, you know. Uh, really tight unit and so the, the results showed other teams were a hodgepodge assembled so they, as someone said the whole spectrum of, of talent was on display uh, and the thing so but when the sh shorts were on uh, some people like when it was over it's like thanks Peter God you know because <laughs> some of them were like oh man that could have been two minutes you know what I mean not 12 <laughs> you know. well. 
anyway. But better to make it than not make it. Very yeah. true. Very true. I I am conscious of time, but I did want to ask, like, if people are listening to this and they're like, Do you know what? I like the sound of this guy. I want to check out some of his work. What's what's a few pieces that you've worked on that you're sort of like extra proud of that you encourage people to go and check out? Um well I, I obviously check out Dublin Crust when when uh, that comes on on the stream. Unfortunately, we don't know uh, we don't have exact dates uh, yet. Uh, Sunny Mammy and Patch is a, uh, a special place for me as well. Uh, I really like that. But on if you just go to my uh, website, I've links to a lot of the stuff I've I've done on that, uh, or even actually on my IMDb. Um, uh, because like I've I've worked on other shows where I've been kind of producer or helped other shows uh, to get produced, and actually some of the TV stuff that I've done uh, is pre-internet and it's not available on online. Uh, I have it on old kind of DVDs and stuff here, so I must I keep saying I must try and put those up online because uh, I did a, a, a sitcom years ago which got slated by the critics, but I loved it, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was. Um, uh yeah so i'll release that someday as well on, online but i suppose if people just uh go to my imdb they'll they'll get pointed in in different directions uh, and, and of course watch out for um abducted part two where the uh the abducted anonymous uh and uh against against the odds uh which we're hoping to shoot in may uh of this year Amazing. so if, if somebody wants to invest in that obviously um <laughs> They, they can give me a ring. Uh, my number is down below. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Although it's not comedy, I am going to like promote. We mentioned it earlier. I will say people need to check out that story time with Mr. Reed. I was doing my research earlier. My daughter was like, Daddy, what are you watching? So I told her like, the concept of like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. stories written by kids. She's like, yeah. I want to send him a story. That was a kind of a lockdown thing because when... Um, the, the homeschooling, uh, <laughs> uh, I severe PTSD from that, but oh man, so uh, but part of the homeschooling on one occasion, uh, my daughter's class had to write a story, and so I on the parents' WhatsApp group said, Listen, if anyone has their stories, they can send them into me, I'll put them on uh, YouTube, and so the kids can see their story. And so then I started getting stories from all over the world, and like people who had written like self-publishers who had written uh, kids storybooks they were sending them but the original idea was like there was loads of people at the time reading stories for kids but I was reading stories that were written by kids so you know uh, and some of them were you know brilliant some of them were insane but they were all uh, they were all br brilliant and so then after lockdown I would visit schools and uh, libraries and bookshops uh you know, and so in a week or two beforehand, the, all the class would write the stories, teachers send them to me, and then I'd come in and read and perform their stories for them. And it was like the circus coming to town. The kids loved hearing their stories come to life, and it was it was brilliant. So I'm 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 trying to kickstart that back again. That kind of um, fell by the wayside the last year. So I'm, it's it's always there in the background. So I do kind of you know family days or. Uh, World Book Day and that kind of stuff. So, uh, if your daughter has a story, absolutely send it in. Oh, and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was able to shoot that with the kids as well. So, like my my son was the, the cameraman, Cara was my assistant, and we had great fun doing that during lock lockdown up in the bedroom. And uh, yeah, it was great fun. 
It's brilliant. The one we watched earlier, she's like, Daddy, why did he walk on the screen and fall over? I was like, I don't know. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it's mad. And the kids don't miss a beat either, because like in the school one year, uh, one again, this makes me sound very stupid. One year, because I, I, I wear this kind of powder blue suit and then blue shoes, but one year I forgot my shoes. Uh, <laughs> You know, I didn't walk up to school in the powder blue suit and the blue shoes. So I, I you know, I changed in the staff room. Uh, but uh, one year I forgot my shoes. And, oh, man. So I just had my socks. And then the next year, one of the kids who had been there previously remembers, did you remember your shoes? <laughs> I, I did. Yes. Thank you. So they, they let you away with nothing. Uh, so, yes. What a little legend. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Stevens, do you have any more questions for our wonderful guest? I would say it's a question, but I want to bring it back up. That Obviously, we talked about the intensive workshops back at the beginning of this, of this interview. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just think that's absolutely incredible. You're, you're passing your skills and your knowledge back on to the younger generation, you know, to help them. I know you have people up to 50 as well. Yeah. But like you said, the majority of 20-year-olds that are there focusing all their energy into how they're going to portray themselves rather than what they're actually there to do. And that yeah. sort of thing. I just think it's phenomenal. And I think it's incredible that you, Baz, and I, I'm going to say Mr. Derek Hoggins as well. So yeah. Derek is a brilliant director. And like, um, uh, we all kind of share the same philosophy on 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 kind of the business and the, and the process and kind of the do's and don'ts that, that actors should do. And it's also worth bearing in mind that like for, for uh, Derek as a director, so he directed Kin and Baz was in Kin and so all those uh, connections. But uh, he's also, you know, pitching for for jobs as well. So he doesn't get every, you know, job that he he wants either. So in terms of an actor, and then when actors meet him, they kind of go, "Oh, I wish he'd cast me in something." But you know, that's not something he's always in control of either. So on the workshops, we kind of break down, you know, how the industry actually works, but also for us, what we think is common sense approaches, so that you don't, you know, arrive on set as the kind of you know fish out of water, and that you're prepared for the chaos and all that goes with it um and yeah so to, to us we think we're just talking common sense but uh apparently for what we're talking it's stuff that they're not being told in other places uh in formal training so you know the practical side of it you know the the performance is one side but it, it's a business too so you need to be able to you know operate within that business um and so th th that's kind of it's twofold what we're doing is kind of the, the technical side, but also the business side of, of how you present yourself as a professional. Um, be an actor, not an asshole. Yeah, exactly. There it there's is. there's there that there book again. <laughs> <laughs> um, my final question uh, is when you first started on this journey, when you first got onto that stage and all those people laughed uh, at, at your heights. They laughed with me. With you, no, sorry. They didn't. With you. No, with they didn't. No they, no, they probably did laugh at me, but it was fine. <laughs> but not, not in like a, ha, look at yeah. it. You know, no, no, like, no, no, yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I brought them joy. I yeah. brought them joy. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever think that obviously you'd be in a cult classic movie and then get to where you are today? Uh, no, because it's, it's you, you always think, uh, particularly when, when you're uh, younger, you always think, oh, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do this. But the, the the more I do it, the more it's it's all about the people you meet along the way and and the work you do along the way. So because if you don't enjoy the journey, uh, you know there is no there, well, you know there is no destination. If you if you're not enjoying the journey, there's there's no point. And it's you know sometimes it's a very twisty, windy road, and you you drift off off the road into the wilderness, and then you come back again. <laughs> but the, the main the main thing is you 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 know be nice to everyone. 
because, you know, I, I, I'm working with people now that, you know, I knew 30 years ago. Um, and then I work with some people now. And it's like, I, I don't want to see them 30 minutes from now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, just be nice along along the way. And, you know, success, this is really corny. Success is a journey. And so, you know, enjoy, enjoy the journey. But also, let me see. I, I have this, a few little uh, sidelines. And so this is one. Um, can you read that? Is that back to front? No, that's right. Yeah, right. if at first just the seed, meh. <laughs> so just just keep going. Just keep trucking. Um, yeah, it's, uh, let me see. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I got distracted. <laughs> but, uh, but there's, there's uh, uh, like a lot of people talk, you know, a lot of nonsense in, in this business. And when you pair back all that, uh, you know, it's the, the other word I, I spoke about rejection. The other word is networking. Oh, you have to network and you have to network. It's like, you don't network, build relationships, you know, mm. and, and be useful to the other person, form friendships and, and bonds so that, you know, you have something to offer. Don't just latch on to someone because you think you might get a job out of them. Like that's networking, you know. Uh, you know, throwing your business card in someone's face every time you meet them. It's like, ooh, ooh. You know, there's this story of uh, uh, an old Irish theatrical actress uh, who would always get kind of, this is going way back there, getting bit parts. And there was a big theatrical funeral, uh, theater uh, producer uh, funeral. And as she was going up and down the aisle, the, the you know, the, the church was filled with theater professionals and actors and producers and directors. She knelt at the end of each pew going, Sorry for your loss. Remember me when you're casting. Sorry for your loss. Remember me when you're casting. Oh. You know, time and a place, people. Time and a place. You know, read the room. No, no. Yeah. So yeah. Oh. So, oh. So, so, you know, sometimes a casting director is just a person and they're, you know, they're at a wedding. Yeah. Don't go, hey, I've given you my CV. You know, just read the room. <laughs> my God. Do you, do you have the rings? <laughs> no, but I've got my CV here. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They're out there. They walk among us. Oh God! <laughs> oh, on that note, they should be abducted. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on that note, Mister Morton, do you have any plugs, social medias, anything you want people to go and check you out? Uh, well, uh, I'm. I think I'm best on I uh, uh, on Instagram. So, uh, actor William Morgan at actor William Morgan. Uh, so as not to confuse me with any other William Morgan. Um, so yeah, that, my Instagram is probably uh, the best place, or my IMDb, which I have an IMDb.me forward slash William Morgan. Uh, but if you Google William Morgan, you'll find me or the guy who first translated the Bible into the Welsh language, uh, was also called William Morgan. Yes, I did uh, see that. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and then there was a guy from Star Trek who's William Morgan Shepherd. So, uh, but I, I'm in that mix there somewhere. <laughs> Just filter through, you'll be there. So. Yeah. <laughs> Phenomenal. You legend. Oh, you beautiful. absolute legend. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, seriously, though, thank you. This has been great. And I've been dying to get on for ages. So, um, uh, thanks for having pleasure. me. No, not at all. Have an absolutely grand evening. I'll do my best. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Very welcome. Pleasure, sir. Take care, sir. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. I really like. That's some the vibration. The vibra what's vibration? The vibration. <laughs> I, I think reverberation was sneaking into my head a little bit at the same time, and I tried to say, "Hi guys, welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast." Where... <laughs> <laughs>
supposed to have you here. But weirdly, when I introduced the interview then, my throat like vibrated so much, but almost like vibrated like dry. So then I was a bit like, <laughs> um, yeah, and that was, so I managed to get out just in time and then almost died on you. Um, anyway. <laughs> good. Your pre-recording apple has just decided to get vengeance for some reason. Yeah, for some random, <laughs> it's just like, healthy food. What the fuck is this? What are you doing to me? <laughs> Body, you're actually having some decent nutrients, vitamins, and minerals. Are you okay? <laughs> um, to start the show off, though, Jamie, it's time for story time with Tom. Um, we've got uh, an absolute belter of a story. Um, I think it's from Reddit. Um, so if I say any random words or names, it's because that's the name of the person that's commented. That makes sense. Okay. This is about how somebody makes their cup of tea. Okay. Oh, I feel like I'm going so, to be angry. No, no, you won't. Okay. No, you really won't. I think confused with hilarity more than anything else. Okay. Okay. So the person asking the question or making the statement is called Radish NT. Okay. Uh, which one of you is going to tell me that tea tastes different if you put it in hot water? Wait, were you putting tea in cold water? Radish, answer the question, Radish. Yeah, I thought for like five years that people put it in hot water to speed up the teaification process. I didn't realise there's an actual reason for it. Wait, so you haven't got the patience to microwave water for three minutes? Yeah, you heard what I said. <laughs> Wait, you think I've got the patience to boil water at all? What the fuck? <laughs> but it, because it takes less than, um, sorry, do you think I actually have the patience to boil water on my stove? Wait, wait, it takes less than a minute. Bestie, is your stovetop powered by the fucking sun? How long does it take you to boil a cup of water on the stove? Like seven minutes? Just sit the mug on top of the stove on medium heat oh and, it boils in like, and it boils in like two minutes. Uh, less than that is you use a saucepan. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Wait, you're putting the whole fucking mug on the stove on medium heat. Is your stove enchanted? <laughs> Every single person in this post is a fucking lunatic. Wait, hang on. Do none of you want a fucking cattle? <laughs> End of story. There's so much to unpack. Yeah, there's loads in there. There's loads in there. Where is this person from? Do we know? No, we have no idea. Oh, I just love that it was like somebody got angry that they were making tea in cold water. And then by the fact that they use their stove to heat water, <laughs> and then someone was oh, like, yeah, you put the whole mug on top. Then they start buying microwaves. Yeah, well, hang on. Nobody has mentioned a kettle at all. Yeah, that is an No awesome one mentioned point. a kettle. So who the fuck's been drinking cold tea? That sounds awful. That sounds like the worst thing in the world. Although I will give this person credit. They use the phrase teaification process, they and did. that is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. That is great. <laughs> Oh, cold tea? No! I feel like the first time they drink it warm, they'd be like, this is life-changing! Yeah, because you imagine? <laughs> ha, 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 And they feel like they turn into like some sort of god or something, you know, like some sort of pie. They feel like they've changed everyone's lives. I bet they were like, they're going, I'm about to change the world. I'm about to tell these people. Yeah. Hear me, hear me! Have you heard tea with hot water? And everyone's there going, yeah, <laughs> all the fucking time. Oh. 
But this person never drank tea at someone else's house. They've had someone else make them tea. I, so, I do wonder sometimes if they literally just threw the rod in and waited. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But it's the, it's the fact that people got angry at him for having... <laughs> them, should I say, sorry. For having tea in cold water. And then someone's putting fucking mugs on the stove. Who's got a stove? <laughs> it's not 1940s. <laughs> we have ovens now. We have hobs, not fucking hob. stove. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't, did you have to use the arger? <laughs> Look at these poor people over here with their cold tea. Pathetic. <laughs> fact, I've got a gas hob, so if I was to put a mug on there, it just fucking... It, shatter. Yeah, it shatter yeah. to pieces. Yeah. You have to drink your tea off the floor through a straw. <laughs> Pretty much. Or just lap it up like a cat. <laughs> Knock off Hammer Dollar, it's mine. <laughs> but yeah, I can't believe you called your cat after a fucking Star Wars character. But why Damn am I not right. surprised? Why am I not fucking surprised? Anyway, <laughs> Jamie, moving on. Do you think a goose has ever looked over the horizon and thought to itself, but what if I'm not silly enough? What if, what if I can't be that silly goose that everyone keeps making me out to be? What if I can't live up to their expectations? <laughs> I do love the expression, you silly goose. It's just brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the... I think the goose part of having more than anything, what you say, I, what, do, I, do I get aggravated when you come in my space, do you? Do I? Is that what happens here? That's the funny part. Geese aren't silly. They're fucking terrified. That's They're angry. Yeah. yeah. Should be you fucking angry territorial goose more than anything else. <laughs> what in the bedroom for? Start randomly pecking at somebody. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. <laughs> oh, you angry territorial goose, you. <laughs> Start making random geese noises. I don't know what they're called. I, I almost started quacking for a second, and I'm so pleased I stopped myself, because obviously that's a duck. Yes, um, geese, geese honk. Are they honk? Do they? Honk, That's a goose. So somebody obviously then decided that they wanted that noise to be either on a bike or in a car. Or that a, or that a clown should use it. <laughs> That's where it came from. A clown said, yeah, saw a goose. Like, I fucking like you, you silly goose. I'm taking that. That's good. That so, sounds good. Somebody's just walking through the wilderness of some forestry <laughs> or something or by some river or pond. And they just hear, and off in the distance, they just hear, and like, ah, my automobile idea. That could be the noise to alert other motomobilers. What a lovely idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then the clown, it's come full circle. So then the clown basically went, I heard that noise that automobile is making. That's a good idea for some sort of party trick or play some practical joke on somebody. <laughs> Wonderful. Mm, that's a good way of doing it. <laughs> Excellent. That's, that's my I picture every time I squeeze my nose. It's amazing. <laughs> this goes full circle. Uh, and then the goose just goes, the fuck are you related to a clown for? And that's the term, silly goose arrived. So We've done it. We've solved the mystery of the silly I, goose. We've had Williams interview. We're done. I think we can <laughs> happily sign off now. I think we've achieved life. <laughs> but still. What other myths can we bust? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to end my trifecta of, of shit at the beginning um, <laughs> with, I got really angry Ooh. on the train, uh, coming off the train to Cheltenham on Saturday. Now, 
I don't know what the fuck it came over me, but it's really it's really weird, right? So what is it with selfish pricks in trains and oh. buses? Buses are exactly the same. First things first, though, this is not what I got angry about, but I just noted it just I made a massive point. This is probably more pathetic to be honest than actually doing something about it. I sat there, I'm not joking. There was a fuckload of seats free, right? And I mean a fuckload. But people, Jamie, need some of their bag to live. And the bag needs to have a nice ride and a nice chill. And a nice... So I made them, yeah. So they put their bags on the inside seat and then sit on the outside. Yeah. So I sat on the floor by the doors. Train ticket man walks past. He goes, um, I, I mean, you're probably all right, but there's like loads of seats. I was like, no, it's all right. People need their bags. They need to have seats for their bags, clearly, or their coats or whatever the fuck it is, that, you know. And he was like, fair enough. But why don't they say it? Why don't people who were working in that industry just go, sorry, could you like not do that because people need to sit down? Probably because they can't be asked. They just don't care enough. That's probably what it is. Yeah. But, but you're absolutely right. I fucking even if I there's plenty of empty seats, I put my bag in between my feet because that's a chair for someone's ass, not my bag. It got really, it got fairly busy as well. Anyway, that's besides that's by the by. What I got really angry about was the train was 20 minutes delayed in, right? Mm. And getting to Cheltenham Spa, and there was another couple in front of me at the doors waiting to get off. Yeah. And as people do, because when trains late, they think that it's gonna fucking leave without them. So anyway. Doors opened, and I'm not joking. It was like a wall of people. And I was like, cool. How the fuck are we supposed to get by? This elderly couple started to get off, and I, I helped them with their bags and stuff. And they started to, they started to like very, very slowly get off this train. Mm. This lady, however, saw, thought, I'll be a ninja, and squeezed past the woman to get onto the train. And I tur- I splopped and went, can you not fucking wait a minute? Could you just not wait a minute? It's not going to leave without you. And she got was like, she was like, oh, oh, how dare, oh, oh, how, how very dare you speak to me like that? And I went, whatever, fuck. So she'd gone. As I got them off, I went, but the wall started to move forward, and I just went, I went, guys, can we not get out the fucking way so I can get off, please? Why Bit of courtesy and common sense to be nice. And it was like, oh, you fucking, fucking, fucking. And I was like, yeah, all right, thanks. That's that's a, what a wonderful comeback and response that is. Thanks, guys. Oh, what is wrong with people, especially it's an elderly couple as well? Just fucking move. Exactly. The train's not going to go, wait, which would be hilarious. Like, what we'll do, what we'll do, guys, yeah? We'll let everyone get off there. We'll just, we'll just fuck off. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll just fuck off and leave everyone here. It'd be hilarious, yeah? Fuck's sake. Grow oh. up. Grow up. It's not going to go without you. Just grow up. Makes me laugh. Like, I always just let people go in front of me when I'm getting on the train because I just say, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> just just yeah, let people on. People just go, seeds. I see seeds. I want no one sitting next to me. That's for my bag. That is. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and it's like it's like they fight to get on. It's absolutely insane. It, it happens when I get on as well. When I get on, people that walk and stand in front of you, like, oh, am I invisible? Am yeah. I just not here? Do I just not exist? It's fucking. Strange. Oh, yeah. Although, Sorry to. The, no, on. the one thing that annoys me as well is when you are about to get on the train, it's the dawdlers. So I like to let people off first, so that you think the last person's off. You're about to step up. Oh no, there's another person. Am I clear now? Oh no, there's another person. Like, hurry up. <laughs> It's not going to go without you. <laughs> no, I know, but it's like, I think it's clear. I'm like, right, everyone's clear. We can get on now. No, nope, there's someone else. No, nope, there's someone else. Like, will you just leave in an orderly fashion? See, I can't agree with you on that one, I'm afraid. No, they're just, I just Sorry. don't. I don't like people that dawdle. It drives me mad. It's because I'm a fast walker, so people dawdling drives me insane. Slow walkers, yeah, yeah. yeah. Slow walkers in front. Yeah, that does my head <laughs> as well. It's the ones that are walking in front of you, then cut across. 
So you think oh. you're about to get round, and then they just cut across something, and you're like, whoa! Yeah. And they're like, oh, you watch where you're fucking going. I'm like, well, I'm facing you, you stupid bellend. <laughs> so, hot kettle black, by any yeah. chance? Um, God, we're moaning a lot today, aren't we? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. 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 I, had, I, had, I had something I wanted to bring to the table. Oh, this fucking week. hell. I know, okay. right? I'm not doing well. I've... Vegan food. Now, I don't have a problem with vegan food. You do what you like. No oh, problem. Okay. No problem with oh. vegan food. What I have a problem with is the marketing department of vegan food. Who thought that labelling things as plant-based would make them sound appealing? Because... To vegans, I suppose. But I don't get... Why is that appealing? I saw an advert for Muller yogurt and it said plant-based and I thought that is the most unappealing sounding thing I've ever read in my life. Mmm, plant-flavoured yoghurt. Because, Jamie, that's what veganism is. I know, it doesn't sound... I just call it vegan yoghurt. Not plant-based. It sounds gross. Yeah, but I think a lot of people like to know where their stuff come, food comes from. That's just like the same with meat. It's like, you know, we know it's sourced to where it's come from, don't you? Aberdeen Angus beef burgers. I never thought of it that way. Do you, you know what I mean? Welsh, Welsh lamb. You might have a so, point there. I still don't think I'm it sounds appealing, though. I'm not vegan, but it doesn't sound appealing. Sorry, but a lot of plant-based stuff is actually delicious. Um, oh, yeah, I know. I don't have really, a problem really... Just it's just the name. You don't, but you just said you had okay. No, I don't have a problem with what it is. It's just calling it plant-based. Just sounds odd to me. And I think it goes know. to show how different our minds work. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, I don't think things through. But yeah, plant-based, because obviously you'd be like, well, I want to know where that's come from. Well that I mean, I don't mean to go to the extent of this was from a daffodil that is in the fields <laughs> of Shropshire. Oh my god, yes, do that. <laughs> do you want this... daffodil yogurt? This was ag- organically grown in the fields of Wiltshire. Yes. Don't you know? Swindon plant. <laughs> and these beauties were earthed in Colchester. Lovely. Colchestire potatoes. <laughs> they do that on normal veg. So fair enough. But yeah, they need to start doing it on like yogurts and cheeses and shit like that. The one I don't get, though, is you've got like... Carrots, parsnips, broccoli, cauliflower, and all of a sudden, one random French item, petit pois. <laughs> Why? Peas. Small peas. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so, it's just the weirdest thing. Oh, yes, but I think you'll find in Belend. And these were organically sourced in Long. So, in where, sorry? In Long. Uh, I love that nobody can pronounce French places or towns without Amtash, no. but the accent on <laughs> Lens. That was in that was in Lyon, and that's in Lens. <laughs> You're right, right though, because like garden peas. Oh, we got this smaller version. What's we call them? Small peas sound shit. What if we call them petit pois? Oh, it sounds right if you say it in French. That works. Fuck it, go with it. <laughs> I love, I love the idea. It's what I'll come dine with me. <laughs> and then for main course. Roast leg of lamb with mashed potato, uh, Yorkshire puddings, and petit pois. <laughs> it's a sound of posher. Uh, it's funny because I actually got my frozen bag in Tesco. <laughs> I didn't fucking go grow them myself. They just put Tesco in freezer aisle. Hopefully they like them though. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It does. <laughs> I like that. The thing is, though, your your gripes and rants always bring out something beautiful. I always find. Yeah, I do find you shoot them down, and then it turns into something magic. So it it's works. Great. Oh gonna... well, don't have to go that far, but thank you very much. <laughs> I'm, I'm not any sort of wizard here, Jamie. Don't you worry. Um, anyway, how are you doing? 
I'm good. I'm good. I'm tired because, you know, my sleep pattern's fucked. But other than that, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I suppose having kids and also then working shifts and then having like to struggle for childcare and then having to struggle with school and stuff and then having a wife that works as well from home. No, maybe not from home, but from home. Um, it's, you know, could be a bit like, ah, uh, what's going on? Yeah, I woke up today and I was knackered. I don't normally nap on my first day before a night shift, but today I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go sleep. I'm just good idea. Is that a good idea, though? It is, but also like I'm wasting my day because it's like I've slept a full night's sleep. So why do I need to have a nap in the middle of the day? But yeah, today I did. I was like, sod it. That's the brummiest thing I've ever heard come out of your face. <laughs> why do I do my nap in the middle of the day? It's a waste of a day. <laughs> this comes out every now and again like proper broad. <laughs> I might sometimes I might just pretend to be like, eh? I feel like we need a yeah. brummy counter in the corner of the screen every time you pick up on it during the show. No, what we need on here sometimes, <laughs> Jamie, is subtitles. <laughs> Wouldn't it be hilarious just randomly when you start getting brummy if that little sign language person comes up in the corner screen? Also, <laughs> that'd be sick. I don't know. But that'd be unbelievable. Funnily enough, talking about sign, sign interpreters, um, someone got arrested because they brought somebody to do sign language for them when they were getting their court hearing, and they're not a sign interpreter at all. They were an absolute joke in America. Yeah, they weren't real. And she kept going like... Yeah, it was so funny. It was so funny. It went round and around in this bat. <laughs> Basically, he got the shotgun and he shot him. <laughs> Blew his head off. <laughs> <laughs> As if you'd have the balls to do that. As if you had the actual balls to be like, would you mind? You know, do you not mind? Are you sure? Karen, talk. No, come on. Seriously, we've got to nail this down. You need to learn, need to learn sign language in 24 hours. <laughs> We've got to be fucking quick. Ippy, don't worry, Calvin. It'll be okay. So, oh, yeah. how how are you, Hello. my friend? How are you? <laughs> uh, bored, mate. Bored. Um, ready to move now. Um, losing my job didn't help. There uh, oh, no. for the, you know, so that was great. Apparently, for it's for underperforming, and I was like, that's fucking hilarious because the people that went with me scored zero and three, and I scored plus twenty. So. Really, yeah, performance based. Absolutely, I totally hear you loud and clear. Um, so yeah, uh, so that's not help matters. It, do you know what it felt? Re I felt like I was proper skiving today. It's so weird. <laughs> I was just sat. I think I was playing Resident Evil, Resident Evil Four Remake, and I've got, I've got to the final boss, and um, I was playing. And I was like, I just feel like I'm cheating on work, and I'm but I don't have a job. Yeah, it was it was such a weird feeling. I, like, I feel I, I should get the laptop out and start, you know, start smashing some messages out. It, it is weird. Like, I feel like that when I'm on sick. Even sometimes when I'm on annual leave, I'm like, shouldn't I be working? What should I do? I don't know what to do. And, annual <laughs> leave, I never do, because obviously you know you're annual leave, so I feel... But sick sickness I get. Sickness, I, yes, I get. Sometimes I almost... It, I don't know if it's just because you're conditioned that way now, because obviously people hate you being on sick, because obviously everyone wants money to, you know, uh, line their dirty little greasy pockets. But... Um, I forgot I was going with this now. So being on sick sometimes, you almost feel like you're not sick enough. 
Yeah. Even though you've been like retching and throwing your guts up and shitting out your mouth and sick out your ass. It's like, like, yeah, but you're not dead, are you? You're not dead, are you? So you could still go to work and you like feel like you're at death's door. You know, death's there like, hello, come in, come in. Take a seat. Don't mind the scythe. Don't mind the scythe. Um, but then work like, where are you? Why are you not in? Well, I don't care if your legs are falling off. You should be here. I wonder if it's retail that's done that to us. Because in the new job, if you phone them and go, I'm not very well, they go, okay, just let us know when you're back in. That's it with retail. It's like, have you still got all your limbs? Yeah, then get the fuck in. We've got customers to serve, don't you know? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're so yeah, you're absolutely you're so right. Absolutely bang on. Absolutely bang on. So yeah, I think sometimes it's like we've conditioned to feel that we're not unless like our heads rolling around and we're just catching playing basketball with it, they're not interested. Um or no, actually if you're just dead. If you're dead, then you're like, <laughs> oh fair enough, actually end the day. Well make sure you let us know if you're going tomorrow. Yeah? Let us know if you're tomorrow. Um We'll get the Ouija board and see if your gorse can feel shifting <laughs> for you. But yeah, so uh I love that uh, that meme or that gif that someone's put up where it's like their boss had texted being like, can you cover tomorrow? And they're like, uh, or, or, oh, we're a bit short-staffed. And someone's gone, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Or well, are you being or not? Oh, good luck with that. I'll see you Monday. <laughs> That's what we or, need to be more us. like. Yeah, I agree. I, I met a guy on the on the train, funnily enough. He kept apologizing for talking to me. I was like, why are you apologizing for talking to me? It's just, <laughs> it's all good. But he was like, oh, I've got my, my England rugby trials tomorrow, but work want me to work a night shift tonight. He's a bouncer. Hmm. And I was like, he was like, what should I do? He's a student as well. And I was like, go to your rugby trials. Yeah, but what am I going to tell work? He's like, well, you worked last night, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, but you're just a bit short. I was like, well, just tell him you're not in and just do like, just that you'll do more shifts in the week or something. I don't know. Don't fucking miss your England trials. I hope okay. you did. I hope, I hope wherever you are that you smashed it. I hope you absolutely smashed it. Um, so, yeah. That would be, because, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity, why do you want to give that up? Fuck that. Just for someone that probably won't even say thank you at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, man, uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. This is uh, obviously the last recording from this building, so I'm excited. Excited for a new new chapter, a new adventure. What's been going on with you, my friend? Uh, Not a fat lot. I've mostly been rehannering, to be fair. Um, But I actually got two days off in a row this week. Fucking hell. I know. So Saturday was a bit of a chill day. We did a bit of bit of shopping, just chilled out in the day. So then on an evening, we went to a friend's house for a belated Christmas party. It was supposed to happen at the end of December, but due to sickness, it just sort of got pushed back and back and back. There so there was nothing Christmassy about it, really. But it was it was the annual Christmas gathering, just a bit late. Um, and then yesterday, I went and saw the kids, did some more of Lena's room. Only spend a few hours on it one day a week. It's going to take fucking ages to get this done, but... It did include me dismantling a bed that almost caused me to have a very angry meltdown. I was very, very close to a meltdown. Becky Foam was like, you've chose the worst time. This screw won't move. I'm going insane. Yeah. I got a bit of a short temper sometimes, I've noticed. Um, Watching-wise... Oh, sorry, missed out. Sorry, we've done a couple of interviews. Of course, since we last recorded the show. Uh, You heard one last week, and then you've heard this one this week. So there we are. Um... Uh, Watching-wise, I've been carrying Smallville, and now on season seven, it's starting to get a bit shit, but I want to stick with it because I want to finish it. I don't don't like the idea of getting to seven series and giving up, so hopefully it gets better. The Walking Dead effect. Yeah. And for the first time in ages, I watched some wrestling. I watched the Royal Rumble, and I enjoyed it. It was good. Did you? Yeah, come on, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. Yeah, I enjoyed... I watched four matches and I enjoyed the ending of one. I enjoyed two, but the main event, Royal Men's Rumble, was a bit shit. <laughs> yeah. 
a bit of shit. Um, what about you, my friend? What have you been up to? Fuck all, mate. Fuck all uh, no, I've, been, I've, been, <laughs> yeah, I've been Rihanna in, obviously, until they let me go on Friday. Do you know, though, that when a meeting goes in at 4 p.m. on a Friday, you're like, oh, cool. I know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that happened, so I got let go. Uh, luckily, I've got a second interview uh, on Friday coming, so uh, hopefully uh, back to Specsavers. So uh, hopefully when we record next week, it'll be a bit more of a positive story. Um, so yeah, it's going on. Uh, moving back to Cheltenham this Friday uh, when this is out. So I'll be in the process of moving while you're all enjoying this and allowing us into your ears and, or your face or however you consume us. Um, but uh, what else have I done? Played a bit of Resident Evil, played a bit of Rocket League with Braden, played a bit of FIFA, even though I fucking hate that game. I don't know why. It's, it's one of those mind-numbing games I can just get lost in playing. Yeah. Um, I went to Cheltenham on Saturday to go see Paul and we hung around had a couple of coffees just walked around a bit and there was just literally this giant like fuck off protest happened in the middle of Cheltenham Town Centre um, with all like the unions and the teacher strikes and everything all coming together as one to be like get rid of the fucking Tories the pricks it was oh, great okay. it was absolutely amazing Socialist Party that's what I want to say um, it's like screw Labour they're going to be looking for us vote for the Socialist Party like it's got the needs of the people and that sort of thing, which is quite cool. Um, it's all a bag of shit anyway. The Tories have already tried to fuck the election. They're trying to rig it now, aren't they? I don't know if you read that. To- no. Yeah, yeah. Came out today. They're trying to rig the election so that they win. Of course they are, because they know they're not going to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's been going on. Uh, I, Walking Dead. I'm on season ten, episode nineteen. I think I've hit the COVID episodes because it's like one or two people now. Oh, okay. It's like nobody like else in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. And I'm not a big fan of it. It's like some flashback episodes. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Um, so well, I'm on Blacklist Season 6, Episode 8. I'm loving that, as always, as usual. We've got the flow back for it again. So I've been downloading it because the internet's getting cut off, I think, two days before I leave, which is shit. So I've been downloading so much stuff on my laptop, so I've got stuff to watch. So I don't go mentally insane. Um, so I've been downloading Blacklist. I've downloaded Robin's Wish because I haven't watched that yet, which is all... Uh, it's just other comedians talk about Robin Williams and his life and stuff and oh, okay. what they need of him. I, I bought it ages ago and haven't got around to watching it yet. Um, so I'm going to do that. And I'm going to download some like Robin, uh, some of his movies and stuff that I haven't seen yet. There's like Old Dogs. Um, and is it The Talented Mr. Ripley? Oh, no, Goodwill Hunting. Oh, is it Goodwill Hunting? Is that's it? great. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Not Talented Mr. Ripley, wrong one. Same actor, I think, though. I, I always get confused with fucking Matt Damon and like Brad Pitt and Ben. And they always like merge into one. And I'm always like, I don't know who's in what. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple of those, a few of those. So, I'm going to get some of those downloaded and some Jim Carrey movies I haven't seen yet as well, like Bruce Almighty and stuff. So, yes, I haven't seen Bruce Almighty. Yes, I know. I know before people start wow, kicking off. Fair enough. I've seen The Cable Guy and I've seen The Mask, you know, then I've seen Jumanji. Not, I've seen loads and loads of different movies, but there's some. I think popular ones and some not so popular mm. uh, that are still in, in the repertoire to get watched. So um, Amazon released one of my favorite films of all time. It's not been available in the UK for like centuries, which is wrongfully accused of Leslie Nielsen. I don't actually think I've ever seen that. I know of oh, it, but I don't think I've ever watched it. Classic spoof movie. It's so good. You can buy it or it's just watch it for free. You do either or, weirdly. And I was like, well, if this is getting taken off, I want to, I'm having it. I'm doing ever lose this movie ever again. It's yeah. absolutely fucking amazing. Um, it's got the guy who plays Basil Expedition in Austin Powers in it as one of the main characters. Oh, yeah. I don't Michael, know Michael York? Michael York. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Um, and then loads of people I haven't heard of. Um, <laughs> so he's like a famous famous violinist, and then he gets accused of a murder he never he didn't commit. And it's really funny, really, really fucking good, really well done. Um, I've watched Ted Lasso. I'm on episode four of season three. Uh, and I randomly bought Crash Bandicoot today because it's on the cheap. Oh. And started playing that again today. No, not a lot's really good. I'm, like, I'm literally just waiting to get the fuck out of here. I was going to so, say, now you're not working and you can't really start things because you're moving. It's sort of like... <laughs> I hate Limbo. I fucking yeah. hate Limbo. It's the worst thing in the world. Um, so yeah, man. Other than that, not an ass of a lot really going on. Before we before we move on, I do want to give a shout out to a friend of the show because we like to plug our friends and their little projects. Jasmine from the Noise Cartel, who helps us, giving us plenty of interviews over time. She has launched her very own podcast. Started today. Uh, I'm your biggest fan podcast. First episodes out of Beth Blade, all about Kiss. So I'm going to listen to that on the way to work today. Very excited. But go check them out under, at biggestfan underscore pod. Give Jasmine all the love because she's been wonderful to this show. So go give her some love and listen to her podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Brayden from Say We Can Fly. Just letting you know, I've got a brand new merch store out there. Please let me say the and, link. Uh, let me say the link, please. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yes, you can say you can say the link. Yes. All right. Okay. So the link for the shop. So the link for is... the link for the shop is www.saywecanfly.com. Shop. All right, good job, Seamus. So www.saywecanfly.shop, uh, 10% off if you use the, co- oh, the let code. Let me say the code, let me say the code, please. Okay, fine, you can say the code. If you use the code. The code is Chronicles. What? No, it's not. Chronicles. No, it's not. De- it's The Chronicles, Seamus. Yeah, that's what I okay? said. The Chronicles at checkout, all right? You, you get 10% off. 10% off. Yes, yes, they know. They know, Seamus. Okay. I'm just trying to help, all right? Visit www.saywecanfly.shop and use code THE CHRONICLES for 10% off your order. Available for participating Say We Can Fly restaurants and web stores. Some restrictions may apply, but probably not. I, do you know what, right? I actually, this advert's better than the last one. I don't know. Do you think? I do love this advert. It is fantastic. It's, it is it's his accent. It just cracks me up. Uh, but Jamie, it's time for your favourite segment of the week. Yeah, it is. It's time for Callum's Trichens. Yes. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you in Callum's Trichings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. Hello. This week's Trichings come from the set of my own podcast, That Gym Couple Podcast, that I host with my partner, Lucy, where we discuss all things gyms, fitness, gym anxiety, and a bunch of other stuff in between. If you do have the opportunity to come and check us out at That Gym Couple Podcast on Spotify and YouTube, we'd very much appreciate it. Welcome to another edition of Callum's... Oh, I couldn't write... I wanted to do tri... tri, tri dish. No, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> Callum's Treat Kids. Uh, he's here to treat the nation, the world, the universe, and the fucking galaxy. So, without further adieu... Jamie, what is Callum treating us this week? Static shock must have been wild before electricity was discovered. <laughs> yeah, I would get in that and be like, what the fuck was that? Oh, I'm having such fun playing with balloons. I love rubbing balloons on me. It's, oh, it's some sort of kink that I'm into. Yeah, really. Love- ah! Hang on. What the, what the fuck was that? 
Stacy, did you see that? Stacy, Stacy, come, come hither. Oh, yes, uh, I have meant to tell you uh, that I have a weird obsession with balloons. Um, I should have probably mentioned this before we got married. I'm so sorry, but I have discovered something. Check this out. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I love the way they feel. I love what? Brian, why are you naked? No reason, no reason. Um, just love the way they feel on my skin. Come here, darling, come here. Rub it, rub, rub. Ah! Oh, what What was that, Brian, darling? What have you done? Why is my hair on end? What's going on with my hair? It was beautifully brushed. And now it's all over the place. No, it's some kind of shock. I don't know what to call it. I believe there's some bands, new metal bands that will come around <laughs> and on the end at some point in the future, but I don't quite know what to call this. Uh, just, uh, I'm not even a statistic, statistician. Statist, statist, oh, hang on. That's a good word to use. Because <laughs> you imagine must be, must have right, people must have freaking, they must have thought they were like wizards or witches or something and burnt them at the stake. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> That was not how I thought the discovery of static shocks was going to be discovered. Oh, what? A man named Brian who had a kid with balloons and loved to roll around naked and feel up against his body. And his wife Stacy's head went all over the place. Yeah. I'm just amazed it was his name wasn't Dave. Normally he's on this show. <laughs> I tried to, I tried to, you know, change it up a little bit. Didn't even make him Yorkshire. I know, yeah. Yeah. Um but I'd, I'd love to have seen their faces, like, of how many people... Oh. Should, yeah, but I bet you they got burnt at the state. They probably thought they were witches with <laughs> electrical powers, not knowing what electricity is. And just being like, when I when I rub it on the dog... <laughs> why do I rub it on the dog? No reason. Are you into bestiality or something I've got to tell you? Um, <laughs> but look at, it, look at its fur. Look, what's it doing? <laughs> it's like your hair standing on end. I have no clue what's going on here. Some sort of treachery, some sort of curse, I believe, upon our family. Maybe it's for my kink. I obviously must die. <laughs> Burn me at the stake, Stacey. I will do what is right for our family. <laughs> and that, children, is how static electricity was discovered. Was, I was going to say, was born. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it came to life. I love the idea, though. It's like, Oh, dog, his heart, it's slowing down. Oh, shit. I'm afraid we might lose Percy today, darling. I'm so sorry. Wait, let me let me just one more time, just because I know how much he loves it. Let's rub his. Let's, let's, let's rub and see if we get his first standing and ending him. <laughs> oh, he's alive! Holy fuck! I brought our dog back to life! <laughs> he lives! <laughs> Percy, he lives more! <laughs> That was totally for the dog and nothing to do with my kinks. Thank you very much, Stacey. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, I don't know how we can add on to that, to be fair. No. <laughs> but there we are. Jeremy, what else? Trinch and Callum this week, us. We get told to never write down our passwords, yet credit card companies get away with literally printing it on the back of the card. That is a good point. Why do they do that? I don't know, because that's all you need when you're filling in a form online, isn't it? It's... The numbers off the front and then the three digits off the back. It's not really security code, is it? <laughs> no, I suppose. That's probably why you have to have your mother's maiden name. And you have to breathe into some sort of monitor that then like makes sure that your breath is yours. And then it's like, then now we must take blood. Are you a vampire? No, I'm not, I promise you. 
Uh, please give us some blood and we can make sure it's you. Right, What's your, we got your DNA now. Thank you very much. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to buy something from the shops. <laughs> Not only can we now clone the card, we can now clone him. Excellent. <laughs> Our plan is coming together. Uh, my dad, Brian, had a weird kink with <laughs> I read all about it on Ancestry one day. It was weird. <laughs> I want to bring him back. I want to know what his obsession with the balloons were. He had some sort of power, some sort of electric power. That I, I'd love to know that I need to learn a master. And then I can, I can become Electro and tease Spider-Man. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. I was going to say Brennan from Mutant X. I don't know if anyone watched Mutant X. So that wouldn't make any um, Wasn't he a character on Bar Fight? He was. Yeah, um, of course. I fought the T Rex and Jurassic Park. Yes, I, did. I would really love. That's probably one that or telekinesis. I'd love to have. I'd love to have electrical powers and just shoot electricity at people. That'd be wicked. It'd Flight, be telekinesis. Yeah, electric would be pretty cool as well. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but yeah, that is. That, I do you know. I've never thought. I've never thought about that. I, it's never crossed my mind when I go three numbers in the back. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Lovely stuff. Perfect. Thank you. And you go, well, hang on a sec. Even when uh, the people on the phones, the telemark, the people are at O2 or whatever, mm. and they go, and can the three numbers at the back, please? Uh, who was it? There was a company I used that you typed it in and they couldn't see it. That's so they'd, they'd open up some sort of um, software and then it'd be like, I'll go on mute and all you need to do is just, is just type the thing and it'll ask you for what it needs. And then we can't see it. That's clever. That's how it really should clever. be. Maybe Barclay card? Someone did it. it was, yeah, it's really clever. Fair enough they want to do this with the extra thing, but don't call it a security code if it's printed on the back of the fucking card. Because it's not very secure. Anyone drops their card, anyone fucking can pick that up. It's not very secure. It's why I don't save my cards anymore. I mean, now I've got this little mother. Yeah, fair. So I don't need to. It's great. It's weird. So all of a sudden, mate, it'll all be like in our eyes. Probably. It'll all be in there, and and they've got Ray Bans now. You can know they iron and shit. Ray Ban have made have made sunglasses that are prescription. I think I don't know if they're prescription, but you can go on the internet and shit on them, and you can read your messages to the lenses, and you can listen to music through a. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> the world is nuts. The world's nuts. We're so fucked. Yeah, we are so royally screwed. It's insane. If we lose electricity or the internet, the world is fucked. Well, they want to eliminate cash, don't they? Sorry, getting serious again. Yeah. They want to, they want to eliminate cash altogether, which means that they can freeze accounts. And if you if you've got money in there, you're fucked. There's nothing you can do about it. Yep. Scary world. And interestingly enough, I know we're trying to get him on the show. Steve Hughes talked about it in a comedy show in like 2008. Oh, so clearly he's been fucking in the works for a very long time. Yeah, he ain't stupid. But still, anyway, and finally, Jamie, what is Callum treating us this week? You hear a lot about third world countries, but never second world countries. Who are they? Do you know what? He's got a really fucking good point. Yes. You hear first about first world in third world, but never second. Huh. I, I, I'm sorry, Europe. You are in second place. You are you are the silver medalist here. With the, with the right word fucking going, we're, we're going to third at this point. Well, so yeah. This yeah. Uh, Spain, Portugal, Germany. You know, you're all second world countries. Yeah, sorry to to you know Germany. You lost the war, so you must go second. 
um, you know, along with France, because, you know, you you also uh, thought you claimed to have helped us win the war, but actually it was America and England and, and the UK, sorry. So, yes, yeah, so you can all go in second place. You get the silver medal and we'll take the gold, but America will take all the golds because Americans think that they are the only country that exists in the whole entire world. Uh, they don't believe that anybody else exists and they think they are the greatest of all. I genuinely uh, <laughs> watched, I was watching the NFL and they were talking about the greatest sportsman of all time, right? Mm. So that's that's not just for what they were all American. Of course they were. No Messi, were. no Ronaldo, no Roy McElroy, you know, no Muhammad Ali, no none of these people that have pioneered their sports throughout other countries. All American. Maradona known as the greatest football player of all time. No mention? No? Okay. No. I think Michael Jordan was top. Not even Where? David Beckham. He's like the most famous fucking dude in the world of sports. Americans were in it. Fuck. Let me guess. Tom I, Brady was number one. Michael Jordan was number one. Right? Oh, okay. I think Brady was second. Maybe oh, I think I can't remember. <laughs> it was a while ago. But like, it's it's insane how they. I'd hate to be in their school education system. Oh, hate fuck. because they have a school. Just teaching that. Who cares? Like, it, oh, but what about World War One and World War Two? Didn't happen. Here. We don't care. <laughs> the second one happened because we helped, but the first one, no, never. But I'd like to, I'd, I'd actually <laughs> genuinely like to know who the second people, who the second uh, world countries are. I imagine it's going to be money ha- related. And who the fuck decides? <laughs> that's I mean that's why it's got to be money related, surely. Bro, Michael, come here. Let's have a look. We need to rate these countries for some random ass reason. I don't know why. <laughs> that man in the sky wants us to do so. Apparently, <laughs> let's let's have a look. Uh, so America, yes, it's first. It's fucking massive, to be honest with you. We'll put, we'll put China and Russia there too, yeah, because they're gigantic. Yeah, lovely. We'll put them there. Uh, we'll put the UK in too. They seem to be friendly enough. Yeah, anyway, let's, let's have a look. Let's have a look. What the fuck is a Croatia? <laughs> What's a Croatia? Anyone know? Anyone heard of Croatia? Oh, fuck me. Okay. Oh, sorry. She'd be like, hey, Marty, you hear a Croatia? Any, any idea what Croatia is? No, I've not, no idea what Croatia is. What about Itali? <laughs> Tally? No? Fuck, I've never heard of half these places. <laughs> Kansas. I definitely know where fucking Kansas is. Yeah, we know all about that. <laughs> God, there was a time in Kansas. Love their beer. Love their beer. Anyway, that's it. the substitute teacher from KMP. <laughs> I tally. Giariga? What's that? What the fuck is that? Giariga? <laughs> God, never heard of that place. God, oh, who hate to hate to go there? <laughs> Probably no beer. <laughs> <laughs> Where's LA TV? No, funny. Oh, I enjoyed that. Uh, but yeah, ah. I, I'm intrigued now. I kind of want to find out now. Australia? <laughs> God, these countries are men. These are crazy-ass places. Anyway, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you can see them, the cogs going in your brain, thinking of how many other countries you can say. Yeah. It's weird, though, because I was trying I was trying to do as many as I could, and I forgot every country they could do all that existed. <laughs> so... I was trying to work out how to say Luxembourg. Spain? Spain. <laughs> Spartan? Who's been to Spartan? <laughs> Man, that's fucking crazy, that country. <laughs> that really tickled me. I don't know why. 
and the capital city happens to be <laughs> Mad Rid. <laughs> anyway, before we lose our entire American listeners, <laughs> yes. Um, luckily, our guest is Irish this week, so we're all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's how I feel that went down. But I'd love to know who actually decided who's first, second, and third. Is there any fourth world? That's a good point. Is there any fourth world? They got proper fucked if the third world was like what they class them as Jesus. They probably started naming the planets. Pluto, <laughs> well, that could be fourth world. It's actually the ninth world, but still, fuck it. <laughs> Like in the world anymore, is it? Didn't they I don't, know. I don't fucking know. But anyway, I don't know. Callum, thank you, thank you so much. Absolutely amazing, as always. And a beautiful uh, mustache, sir. I'm thrilled. We didn't mention that beautiful mustache he's rocking at the moment. Yeah, I think Lucy put a photo up. Who was like, "Why does my boyfriend look like an, a country redneck or something? Country singer redneck? Really funny." <laughs> um, the only problem is now, James. I've got to follow this. You do indeed. It's time for Tom's journal. And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. So, Jamie, I don't even know if I could fill up a MySpace top eight anymore. Eight friends? Sounds exhausting. <laughs> I remember how pissed people used to get if you didn't put them in, the, in your top eight. I don't remember it. Do you not? You're on your profile, you could select who your top eight friends were. And I remember pissed people used to get pissed. Do you Tom found that hilarious? He's like, what we'll do is we'll work it in and let people fight amongst themselves. I love the fact that he was always instantly your number one top friend. With Tom? Yeah. Great name, that's why. Do you know what um, Vin Diesel's full name is? Vehicle identification number Diesel. <laughs> there it is. We didn't get on last week. It's here straight away this week. <laughs> Oh. Maybe you can answer me this. How the fuck do two-year-olds wake up at 5am, run around all day, then refuse to sleep at eight while operating on only 13 grapes, a sack of crackers, and some soap they accidentally ate in the bath? Every night I feel dead and my son is yelling from his crib, come see how high I can bounce. <laughs> yeah, kids are a mystery and an enigma rolled into one, how they have so much energy. Probably because you haven't had the hardships of life yet. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's, it's still got everything going from at the moment. <laughs> All they care about is spinning, what toys they're playing with, and what they're eating that day. Exactly. <laughs> and who's changing my fucking nappy? <laughs> do I you know when nappies are 2D? Do you? Uh, no, but some do. It all depends on child's oh. development, I guess. Okay. Fair enough. Um, this was on an Alaskan news. This is an Alaskan news story. Bear breaks into Colorado house. Plays the piano, but not very well. Someone replied, he's trying his best, you fucking bitch. <laughs> what a dick move to add the fact he didn't play it very well. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if oh. it said Bear breaks into house, plays piano, plays Mozart symphony perfectly, fair enough, put that in the sub in the title, but come on. Me. It's just a cough. Mum, it's just a cough. Doctor, you're okay. It's just a cough. Google, I looked into your future and saw <laughs> death. <laughs> Fucking accurate. <laughs> Never Google your symptoms. Jesus Christ, no. First name that comes to your mind, all right? 
First thing that comes to your mind, don't think about it. Okay. To win three billion pounds, you have to survive 24 hours getting chased by a horror villain of your choice. Who are you picking? Oh, I'm fucked because for some reason my head instantly went Freddy. Why would I think that first? Because I'm dead. <laughs> if you can wait, can you stay awake 24 hours? Fuck no, I could barely stay awake 24 minutes. That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'd be fucking toast, mate. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Saying that, I stay awake over 24 hours quite a lot when I work nights. If I don't nap in the day on the first one, I generally stay awake longer than 24 hours. So you're saying Freddy? So I think, yeah, fuck it. I reckon I can do it. Come on, bring it on, Freddy. For this guy, <laughs> the Predator. Oh, why? <laughs> I am old and out of shape and unarmed, not honourable prey. That's a very good point, sir. I take back my reaction. Very good point. <laughs> What about you? Who was the first one that came to your head? Fucking Jason for some reason, but... <laughs> yeah, been... you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the first one that came to my head at that time. I was like, no, I don't want to pick just zombies. <laughs> yeah. They're villains. Yeah, they are. Um, right. Do not join in. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's see if I can get this right without fucking it up. I'm a bitch, I'm an orca, sinking yachts off Mallorca. I'm a sinner, I'm a whale, I'm a hit you with my tail. I'll send you that photo. I'll send you that photo to get put up. Why? Someone, it? someone interviewed a whale. <laughs> Who looks at a whale and thinks, this needs a Meredith Brooks remix? Like, what? No idea. Brilliant. Video games in the 80s. Run! Jump! Eat this flower! Cut the coins! Video games now. You are a broken man. <laughs> haunted by the choices you've made. You do not fear the sweet embrace of death. But you still have unfinished business. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Even like the games we used to play back then. The new versions of that are like daunting. Like you play like this Mario game is like Bowser has kidnapped Peach. She's never gonna be seen again. She's in this horrible castle. Ah I'm like, fucking hell, what happened to just running in a straight line and jumping on his head and being done with it? Fucking. And you only got three lives to do it in. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise it's game over, you start all over again. Excuse me. This is a whole nother level of drunk. Okay. It's between two mates, all right? Uh, bro, where are you? Yeah, I left early. I'm so sorry I couldn't stay any longer. But what the fuck? Where are you going? Well, I'm going home. Are you kidding me? Just come back. You're drunk. Don't worry. I'll call an Uber. But we drank at your place. <laughs> oh, then where am I going? <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that twist coming. Oh, that is incredible. See, drunk people generally get on my tits. That is a sort of drunk person I could spend time with. <laughs> You're going to love this. I just don't understand why electricians aren't called Power Rangers, but okay. <laughs> that is, there's got to be an electrician out there that's named his company Power Rangers. It's got to yeah, be. Yeah, has to be. If there isn't, I'm training to become an electrician. Fuck it. I, thought you were gonna, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> British problems. So, how's your week going? 
Yeah, not bad. Translation, if it wasn't for tea and biscuits, I'd be in serious trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem to me that is the answer that every time you ask someone that question, like, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, Jamie, I don't know. These are so poetic, it's insane. Redneck sayings are so unhinged. Yesterday, my coworker said, with my luck, it could be raining titties and I'd still look up and catch a dick. With a straight face. I just kept working. Didn't even realise how speechless I was. An older white lady I worked with then said, louder than a ske- than skeletons fucking on a tin roof. Once. <laughs> said that once. And that sheer poetry has stuck with me for years. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and that was another edition of Tom's Journal. Louder than skeletons fucking on a tin roof. <laughs> Oh, another glorious edition, my friend. Oh, stop it, you. You're way too kind. Superb. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because, you know, I I know that people can change. Uh, and And it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing, and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults, and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Mama, mama, Mr. Stevens. Jamie, 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 Jamie. Jamie to Jamie, Jamie. J, 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 Jamie. It's audience participation time. Participate, participate, bitch. Participate, bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's participation challenge. I want a busted Panic at the Disco remix now. I reckon it sound great. <laughs> this week, I said to celebrate the release of Wonka. This week, we are asking if you had a Willy Wonka style factory, what food would you be creating magic with? What say you, Mr. Stevens? Probably chocolate or peanut butter. I, I can't. I, I, I for some reason that's why I struggle with this because I love pretty much all food yeah. ever going in the history of ever. Bar like marmite, raspberries, and olives, they can all get in the <laughs> bin. Um, blueberries maybe. I don't know. I swear I've heard you mention eating blueberries before. Oh no. 
blueberries in the Onken or Yale Valley lemon yogurt that you get, the big fucker, dude, it's a tear sensation. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So I'd probably go with something like that. What about you? I struggled with this one as well because the ones I thought of, there's already loads of different versions of. Like chocolate is the obvious one. You know, yeah, yeah. Then I thought crisps, but there's fuck tons of flavoured crisps out there in the world. Salt and vinegar, prawn cocktail, Christmas pudding. Yeah, <laughs> Brussels sprouts. There's fuck tons out there. So I kind of struggled with this one myself, but I think I'm going to go with sausages. Okay. Yeah, I just think you could do well, lots of wonderful, weird flavours of sausages. Because why not? Let's get some audience answers. First, you've got a former guest, Scotty Wartooth, a.k.a. TikTok Jesus. I'd come up with bubblegum cheeseburgers. Now, is this a cheeseburger that tastes like bubblegum or bubblegum that tastes like cheeseburgers? Or both? If it's a cheeseburger, if it's cheeseburger bubblegum, then you'd be fucked because it's so big and you'd be like, because <laughs> you couldn't swallow it. So I imagine it'd be a cheeseburger that tastes like bubblegum, I would assume. Which would taste kind of weird, but why not? It would, because I don't think a cheeseburger... Wait. I'm confused. A bubblegum that tastes... I just couldn't remember which way around I'd said it. <laughs> it having bubblegum that tastes like cheeseburger would be horrific after a while, I think. Yeah. Because I feel like you just chew it forever. This one is one, Jay, you'd be like, oh, this is interesting, isn't it? Five seconds later, like, this is starting to taste gross. Yep, yeah. I'm going to go with this now. <laughs> uh, and then our friend at Absolute Bedlam Podcast, he gives the perfect answer. Cheese. Definitely cheese. So many possibilities. It's just great, isn't it? Cheese. Cheese. just great. As long as you put some Brussels sprouts in there. Moving on. <laughs> Our friend Jerry Keane says Domino's pizza, not pizza, Domino's pizza. Interesting. Yeah. To be fair, they do have some good bases. So I think there's a lot to work with there. It's very, I find it very greasy. I'm more of a Papa Johnsman myself. Papa Johnsman. Yeah. <laughs> pizza is just endless. You could do so many wonderful things with them. <laughs> Richie Rich, poached eggs. Poached eggs are elite eggs, so I can see where it's coming from. I just the fact it's not eggs, just poached eggs. You want a poached eggs factory? Fair enough. I'm down. I'm there, Richie. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there with you, mate. I'll invest. Lisa Sobis has another good one. The possibilities are endless. Donuts. Oh do yeah, good shit with donuts. <laughs> Chrissy, <laughs> these two really made me laugh. Chrissy Sweeney. Fennel, because that needs magic or Jesus to make it okay. <laughs> <laughs> she says, I just don't need my meals to taste like Sambuca and poor choices. No, thank you. Amazing. Absolutely <laughs> superb answer. I'll be honest, I can't remember what fennel tastes like. But I don't think I want to either. <laughs> Grey and white. Castor oil. Just because I really want to upset the kids that visit. <laughs> 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 Haven't they already made that? Castle. Licorice. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. God, he would... Oh. <laughs> DJ Gove says bacon. I said, can you improve bacon? He said, if you eat it and then start to fly, I see absolutely no downside. <laughs> I mean, the Americans candied it. Oh. Is that a good R or a bad R? What? Like, it sends you to heaven. Really? I'm back. I can't imagine it. Oh, Jamie. Oh, I, I can't express. I, I wish I could bring some back for you, but I can't. Because it'll go off by somebody. <laughs> I probably could just look at the recipe. <laughs> Phil Jolly. Couldn't you imagine a curry that made you lose weight? I mean, you'd, oh. You'd, oh, you'd be loving life. 
Oh, I'd be all over that. You would as well. <laughs> oh, no. oh, my days would be incredible. All the butter chicken, please. <laughs> Becky Westwood, the wife, says, popcorn, every single flavour you can think of to add to it. Just imagine popping candy popcorn. Oh, my God. Marks and Spencer's do chocolate-covered popcorn. They've stopped doing it. It was Ooh. unbelievable. It was toffee popcorn inside chocolate. It was in, in the greatest thing you've ever eaten in your life. And they've stopped doing it. Cheers, m Thanks for ruining lives. Their <laughs> <laughs> popcorn is very versatile. You could do some great things. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah, you could do some wicked stuff. <laughs> oh. Stuart Edwards <laughs> says... You know I'm probably going to say cum, so instead I'll say eggs. <laughs> Stuart, I never want to come to your cum factory. Thank you very much. <laughs> what? Physically or literally? Either. In some form have, of the word. I don't want to come to your cum factory. <laughs> <laughs> what? Mix in the ingredients. <laughs> I'll get my flavour and brummy flavour. <laughs> Slows everything right down. What is that? I'll be come gooder. No. Um, <laughs> so just so so slow. <laughs> I'm just gonna take my time, thank you. <laughs> Nathan. Am I, am I getting paid for this? Sorry. <laughs> Nathan Benham. Burritos. Oh. Yes. I mean, you missed out enchiladas there. That's like the greatest Mexican food of all, but still. That's I'm still I'm still with you. <laughs> Jasper Barrett, not with you on this one, sorry, Jasper. Corn beef. A corn beef factory. <laughs> what magic can you add to corn beef to make it taste better? I do not have you ever, never. Have you ever had corn beef hash? Yeah, I wasn't a fan. Oh, get in the bin. I'm not a big fan of corn beef. Just taste right. I think it's more the texture. No, no not for me. <laughs> i give you two more because these really made me laugh. This one is actually genius. This isn't even funny. It's fucking genius. Violet Autumn. I'd make a candy flubber, like the film, that can stretch very long and in all directions without being sticky or tacky in a bad way. Chewy, but not hard chewy. Soft chewy. But it stays intact if you play with it. Maybe it can come in like a UFO resealable packaging. Like that. That's a great idea. And plus, she referenced flubber, a Robin Williams film, so she naturally goes on the list. Great film. And last but not least, for two weeks in a row, is it it's Darren Stevens. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I would have to make the wife's cooking because something drastic has to happen there. <laughs> bravo. Bravo, Darren. Bravo. <laughs> it was great. That was very funny indeed. And then decides to randomly post a picture of Barnsley Chops. I don't know why, but there they are. It did look good though, didn't it? It looked good, yeah. It just he loves going to his fucking butcher's farmer's place where the fucking uh, the barn. I don't know where he is. Um but yeah, thank you to absolutely everyone that participated in Jamie's challenge. As always, we always appreciate those answers. We missed you, Mally. Where were you? I know. Missed you. We missed you this week. Um, but like I said, we appreciate everybody that participates in Jamie's challenge. Uh, if you enjoy James Participation Challenge, Tom's Journal, Callum's Treachings, the absolute fucking God knows what we talk about and the interview, then please go check out the other 117 editions of the Chronicles podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, you find us on all social medias at TCO Pod, whether it be Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, fucking Instagram, all of them at TCO Pod, or come and 
find us on YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast and make sure you subscribe at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you fucking subscribe um, and enjoy all the glorious content that's there. So, that's, so let me just recap really quickly. All social media at TCO Pod and YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. Wonderful. And before we get out of here, let's say a massive thank you to a few of our friends. Every single piece of music you hear on this show is brought to you by the wonderfully talented Mr. Matt Roberts. Check him out on all social medias at Matt Roberts Music. And of course, you have to say a massive thank you to Mr. Braden Barry and his Say We Can Fly dot shop. Head on over there. All the t-shirts, all the hoodies, all the vinyls, all the signed pictures, you name it. Get it from there. Add that discount code, The Chronicles, and get yourself 10% off your order. And of course, last but not least, the Sophie Lancaster Foundation, stamping out prejudice, hatred, and intolerance everywhere. Head on over to their official website, www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Familiarise yourself with Sophie's story. See what you can do to help. Share that story out in the world so we can make sure that what happened to Sophie never happens to anyone in the alternative community again. And last but not least, massive thanks to this handsome devil over here. Thanks, mate. Right back at you. Another glorious episode in the books. Another glorious one indeed. Lovely stuff. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. We've really appreciated it. But as for this week... We'll see you all next week. Goodbye, everybody.